I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast hosted live from King's Comics in Sydney by your good pals, Siobhan Coombs. Hello. And me, Andrew Levins. Every single week, we read all the books from Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, Boom, Archie, and more, and There's review so them for more. you. So many more. Especially, we read all of the new number ones, mm. uh, and we review all the, all the brand new series and let you know which ones are good later in the show. But first, I'm going to tell you what else we're going to do in the show. We're going to say some goodbye, Siobhan. Oh, yeah, there's some good series ending this week. We're going to say goodbye to Black Widow. We're going to say goodbye to Spider-Woman. We're going to say goodbye to Backstages. And we're going to say goodbye to Divinity 3. Lots of buys. Is it called Divinity? Stalinverse? Yeah, not Divinity. Cool. Divinity so three. we're going to say goodbye later. But first, we're going to say hello <laughs> to all the new number ones, everybody. We Woo! got uh, we got a whole stack of number ones. Uh, it's a it's a fifth week of the month. And fifth week of the month normally means that uh, DC, at the very least, just kind of throws a bunch of shit at us. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, we got a whole bunch of weird number ones that were like crossovers between Hanna-Barbera and DC. So more on them later. Mm. But first, uh, in first things first, so we review all the new number ones that came out last week. Uh, we're going to review X-Men Prime and Inhumans Prime, a new era for the, uh, the fringe heroes of the Marvel Universe. Oh, finally. I'm sure this will all make it make so much more sense. They're just really going to streamline both of those communities, right? Yeah. That's they're just going to do gonna one work. X-Men book. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, imagine. That's not the case at all. We're gonna get, I think we're getting... Uh, in the next three months, we're going to have, I think, eight separate X-Men related yeah, books. In so our next month, we have X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, Weapon X, number one, Generation X, number one, Jean Grey, Cable, and Iceman. All coming very soon. I don't care about any of those. I um, cable. <laughs> I care about them slightly more than I've cared about the X Men for the last year. Yeah, totally. In fact, I reckon like the biggest, you know, as far as superheroes go, there has been quite a, a hole in our show. Um, we barely talk about the X Men at all. Yeah, on I know. Issues because the last year they spent the majority of their time being chased by a big green cloud. Living in limbo. <laughs> yeah, it was no good. It was a bad era for X people. Yeah, I feel um, bad that that's like. The era that Storm was the was like the leader of the X Men. Has she I mean, been? She's, she's sure been a leader before, right? I'm sure she yeah. has. Um, she's one of the best X Men, and mm-hmm. uh, X Men Prime is the return to form. They're really like they're going to town. They're going to make the X Men great again, um, <laughs> in the, the trumpiest way they possibly can. Mm. Um, they're they've kind of. I, I guess. Do you reckon this is them definitely listening to like? Okay, we went too hard on the Inhuman stuff. People hate it. We've got, to, we've got to really make the X-Men cool again because there are all these rumours that, that they were kind of making the X-Men have a shitty time because of the Fox deal. Mm. They couldn't have access to the X-Men in their movies. So 
to just make bad X-Men comics. Take that, Fox. <laughs> yeah, we'll put our own sales. Um, I have I have no idea, but I think I think they were trying to push the Inhumans really really hard, and then realized that people didn't heaps care about the Inhumans, and they already have a huge emotional attachment to the X-Men. So they were like, "Oh crap! I think we better." we better bring the x-men back a yeah little bit. and no one likes a thing if you're like hey it's kind of like that thing that is suffering because we're pushing this other thing yeah which totally. is something we're doing with inhumans so it really felt like reading a, a mutant book yeah um so this week on the hot on the heels of the finale of the uh, inhumans versus x-men event we have x-men prime and inhumans prime uh and uh, obviously x-men focuses on the x-men and what's going to happen uh i guess in the next year of x-men peoples and uh, Inhumans focuses on the Inhumans. Um, in saying that they're really concentrating on uh, making the X-Men great again, uh, I thought the Inhumans book was a million times better than the X-Men book. But uh, let's, fi- let's find out what you thought, Siobhan. I mean, I I don't think this was like a totally flawless issue. I think um, Ken Lashley's art is really nice, but I think it was coloured weirdly to me for some reason. Yeah, so we've got um, on writing duties, we have Mike, Mark Guggenheim, Greg Pack and Cullen Bunn, and they are the writers working on the new X-Men books that are coming out in the next month. Uh, we had on art Ken Lashley, Ibrahim Robertson, Leonard Kirk, and Guillermo Ortego. It's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, um, and then three colorists as well. So it was, a, it was a big, big book that balanced, like actually it felt like a few of the plots were just kind of like very, these weird little flashes that will kind mm. of spin off into the other books. Yeah. One of those status quo summary books. I Absolutely. hate these kind of stories. Yeah. Um, they just kind of fill in a gap and send the teams where they need to go to be in their own books. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I, you know, I was kind of on board with, yeah, this kind of uh, checking back in on the friendship of Kitty Pride and, um, and Storm. Although, since when did Storm call Kitty Kitten? Is it always a thing? I guess I it is. So. Yeah, I think sure. so. Right. Um, I'm, I'm heaps into Kitty Pride coming back in like a sort of um, more senior role. I think that's always really fun. I wish... I just wish that they hadn't made it a thing that the original X-Men couldn't go back to their time. Like, I think that's one of the worst decisions of all time. Just let them go back. It's so we don't need a young Jean Grey and two, like, beasts and two Iceman running around. Or, like, let, let everyone except Jean go back. Like, just yeah. keep one. If, if you want the Jean Grey thing, which they obviously do, but then I guess now that they've committed to having... And this is... You know, Always in support of there being gay characters in all forms of comics. 100%. But I feel like now they've written themselves in a, oh, shit, we can't just get rid of gay Iceman. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, although his older counterpart is gay now too, right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, I, didn't, I, I didn't realize that, but that's good, I guess. Um, I don't know. Is, is, is the Iceman book focusing on young Iceman or old Iceman? It looks young. It looks very good. <laughs> I think one of the silliest things about this book is the <laughs> Kitty Pride transports um, the school from Limbo into the middle of Central Park in New York City. <laughs> like, how did they get council planning for that? I think it's just that, you know, it doesn't, don't, don't worry about that. It just means the X-Men are back, baby. They are as public as possible. They're not hiding anymore. They've got nothing to hide. I've had some extremely boring, like, policy and economics-based um, takes on <laughs> comics <laughs> this week. Like, how did the humans exist in our world? They don't have jobs, but they obviously use our nat- like natural resources now that Adelan isn't just like floating above the planet. So, what are we just like supporting them? How come the X Men? What if the X Men instead of um, transporting to Central Park, transported to Central Perk? Oh wow, the that's friends, a crossover. The Friends co- co- Cafe. That'd be great. Finally, um, who's Rachel? Rachel Gray, obviously. Oh next, yeah. Next question. Who's Chandler? <laughs> I- <laughs> 
Um, I, I genuinely thought you were asking me who Rachel Gray was, and I was like, I have had that explained to me 20 times, and I still have no clue. Who is she, guys? Don't answer is that. Is she even I don't in care. this? Um, I don't think so, but I think she's showing up in some team. Like, uh, this makes me sad because the X-Men is such a brilliant, basic concept, and they've messed it. Like, it's so convoluted now. It's so confusing. And this didn't really do much to make me feel like we're back to, like... Yeah, you know, nice and simple. Just a school. Just a X-Men. school of mutants, you know? Yeah, the but, only... Like, like the, the the last X-Men series that I would absolutely celebrate is uh, Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men run. Which, yeah, that was amazing. Which didn't, like, you know, it just kind of acknowledged that, like, continuity is ridiculous. And yeah. they've all done so many stupid things. And, they've you know, there's space... There's space people, there's time-displaced people, there's alternate reality versions of people in this school. Just just live with it, make jokes about it, and it's still a school. And it's mostly about Wolverine and Quentin Quire having, like, fun adventures together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, people complain about the X-Men movies not making sense in a continuity way. But, oh boy. I, actually, but I think that, like, you know, that that's them being true to the comics. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when they brought in, like, all of that insane... Um, time travel stuff, I was like, oh, finally. Finally, it reflects the comics yeah, accurately. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if this did a good job of making me excited for the X-Men books. Uh, I, I, I'm like you. I think this is way too confusing, way too many things going on. I just wanted a nice, simple story that kind of explained what their, what their, you know, what their aim was to do in the next year. Yeah. Um, but instead, we, you know, I, 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 you know what? I think I would have just been happy if they just didn't have any of the young mutants in this at all. Totally, which is why I think I'm probably more excited... In the like for the upcoming X Men books, um, X Men Gold, which is the team of like Kitty Pride, I, I think that's Rachel Gray, right? Um, Colossus, Storm, Old Man Logan, Nightcrawler, sick, perfect. That's what I want from an X Men book. Um, Generation X also with like Jubilee and Quentin Quire and some of the more interesting new mutants. Yep, I'm into that. Um, cable because I'm a sucker for a pouch, <laughs> but the Iceman and book I'll check out C- like the Iceman cover. The cover for the Iceman book is amazing. And it's written by Cena Grace too. Who it's that's like a is that exciting? I don't know if he's done many mainstream is. Marvel stuff. He's a independent writer. Okay, yeah, the name yeah. is super familiar, but I can't think. Yeah, of I remember that, that was like the big surprise when they announced the um, the creative teams. Right, I'm not okay. a, I'm not a big Guggenheim, um, Greg Pak, or uh, I guess Greg Pak is my favorite Greg of those Pack's writers. Great. Sure, but uh, Cullen Bunn and uh, is like him being on an X book isn't exciting to me. Right. And, um, oh, and Greg Pak's writing Weapon X. I yeah, guess I'll read with, that. With, oh, with Greg Land. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun ride reviewing all these X-Men books. <laughs> We've gone from not talking about them ever to having to talk about eight books all the Ooh, time. Double wait. shipping, baby. Hell yeah. Can't wait. Anyway, so over from X-Men Prime to Inhumans Prime by um, Al Ewing, uh, who we, we enjoy most of the time. Yeah. Um, and how good is Ryan Sook? Um, yeah. Ryan Sook. That was a, a big treat having him on this book. I don't know what he's doing on this, like, I don't think he's doing anything else to do with the Inhumans. Like, it was just like a rare treat to get him on half this issue. I love, what is he even doing these days? Like, I like Ryan Sook just from that, like, Zatanna. Um, yeah, all the stuff he's doing with Grant Morrison. Did, yeah. he, did he do an a, issue of Multiversity? I think so. I don't remember. I'm going to assume so. I need to reread that. Anyway, this was, this was a pretty solid issue, but I feel like mostly because of the art. Um, well, I, I really enjoyed the first half of it because Ryan Sook did the art. I hated the art by Walden Wong and Keith Champagne, but I feel like that's maybe due to the fact that Ryan Sook said he could do the entire issue and then, oh, this is my assumption, and then suddenly they had to fill in they didn't have much time to perfect their their art, but mm. it does take a massive drop in quality. There are some very funny faces that show up in the background in some of these uh, panels towards the end. But um, the biggest difference uh, that Inhumans Prime had to X-Men Prime is that this follows directly 
um, on from uh, the final issue of Inhumans by Charles Soule. Yeah. Um, and uh, we see, you know, basically what happens to Maximus the Mad when, um, when the royal Inhuman family catch up with him. Um, and then we kind of learn that, th- that their main thing for going on is that they're not really a royal family anymore. They're yeah. Wa- isn't it interesting the way, like, in the middle of this weird time for Marvel where they're getting, they're getting rid of monarchs? Like, the monarchs, yeah. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. like, Black Panther, that's sort of what's going on. The Inhumans, that's what's going on. Like, just, yeah, but that's I'm into a, it. They, but their book is called Royals. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if the, they're going too far with it. So, I think, yeah, Royals comes out next week. Right, okay. Uh, but the coolest thing about this book, and we see him on the first page, it's not really a spoiler, is that this marks the, uh, the return of uh, another Grant Morrison creation, mm-hmm. Marvel Boy. Um, who is a? Is he Cree? I think he's a Cree, Cree bro. Yeah, he's Cree. Um, but he's like he's like I like to think of him as sort of like Nightwing equivalent in that he's like a sexy dude, <laughs> extremely sexy, beautiful looking dude, lovely eyes, lovely abs. I didn't realize that it was him on the first page, and so when I got to the like final page and he's in costume, I was like, Aah. yeah. He was also a, one of the main characters in um, Kieran Gillen and um, Jamie McKelvey's um, Young Avengers run, right? Yeah, which is where they really like cemented him as like a dude who likes sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you read that five, five or six issue Marvel Boy run that Grant Morrison did? No, well, that's no, awesome, no, no. and that's where he introduces um, U- Uibalet, the um, the girl who was one of the main bad guys in. Um, uh, oh. In fear itself, right, 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 and that, that that made it come back in Thor recently in Jason Aaron's Thor. Oh, she's like the bondage, yeah, the yeah, bondage yeah, yeah. chick, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A, of course, it's a great moment in creation. Of course it is. <laughs> he loves it. Um, so yeah, I, I thought this was a really cool issue that kind of just did a nice job of kind of getting all the Inhuman characters together and then defining what they're going to do in their in their their books this year. Absolutely, and it it sets up like a good core mystery for the Inhumans books. Like Marvel Boy is like, oh, they don't know what. Terrigen is in this timeline I can go help them out so that's cool like now there's something that's kind of driving all of the Inhumans books and a reason for Marvel Boy to shop great yeah absolutely um, and uh, yeah we get uh, oh, so are we only getting books called Royals is there, is there any is there actually a book called Inhumans at all coming out oh there's Secret Warriors which is a team up of Avengers Inhumans and X-Men I think right I mean, that's written by Matthew Rosenberg and Yevier Garon um and that's got an incredible Tradmore cover. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I'm very keen um, also, like, that cover for the Black Bolt book, which is being written by Saladin Ahmed and with art by Christian Ward. I don't know either of those people, but that's, that's a great cover. Incredible and I love cover. Black Bolt. So Definitely. I'm yeah. Down. Yeah, me too. I love Black Bolt. He's one of my favorite, like, like low-key favorite Marvel characters. Yeah, he's just a classic. He can't yeah. talk. It's great. <laughs> that's why he's the best. Yeah. Um, cool. So those are the uh, Marvel number ones this week. Now I've got a whole glut of DC number ones to talk about. And uh, most of these, uh, these weird crossovers that were announced, um, you know, I, I think we started the show just as uh, the um, the Hanna-Barbera DC kind of revival comics were announced. Mm. And so we, we laughed at uh, the idea of reading a Flintstones comic and a Scooby Apocalypse story. And we were right to laugh at Scooby Apocalypse, but wrong to laugh at Flintstones. Instead, we've laughed with it every month. <laughs> uh, it's been one of our favorite books month to month, written by Mark Russell and art by Steve Pugh. Um, and so, I mean, they kind of, I think even, you know, the, the books that we didn't like sold quite well for, for, for DC, the mm. Hanna-Barbera books. So I think they are going to, this is a way of launching a few new uh, franchises through comics. And mm-hmm. so we got a few weird team-ups of DC uh, superheroes with Hanna-Barbera properties. So we've got Suicide Squad with the Banana Splits, who were an anthropomorphic uh, pop band, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon. We've got Booster Gold and the Flintstones. 
uh, Space Ghost and Green Lantern, and Adam Strange with the uh, Future Quest series. And these are all one-shots, is that right, Jim? One-shots, but they each say to be continued at the end of them. So I don't know what, you know, if if this is a launching pad for a Space Ghost comic, um, for for a a Banana Splits comic, but there's also... um, uh, a backup in each of them, and mm. I, I think they're all weeds um, setups for. To, they've all got to be continued at the end mm. of them too. So um, we've got like a, the first look at a Jetsons book, um, Snagglepuss, Top Cat, and Rough and Ready. Which of these should we talk about first? One, um, our favorite one. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about our favorite one. I was really surprised that this was my favorite one, um, but I really enjoyed Suicide Squad and the Banana Splits, and I think that is. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm doing this a bit extra this week because of some silly comments that people have made. But I think that was mostly to do with the art by the um, incredible Ben Caldwell. Yeah, far and away, the best art on any of these books is by Ben Caldwell on this uh, Suicide Splits comic. And Mm -hmm. I love straight away, yeah, they call it Suicide Splits, and then in brackets, hey, it beats Banana Squad. (laughs) Agree to disagree, but I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Banana Squad would have been great. (laughs) Uh, Tony Bedard wrote this one, and we've got um, inks by Mark Morales and uh, colours by Jeremy Lawson. This was such a vibrant, silly comic that really just honed in on not only the silly side of like this, you know, dumb pop band Hanna Barbera creation, but also the silly side of the Suicide Squad. Mm, absolutely, um, and it was a really, really likable and silly take on um, on uh, Harley Quinn in particular. Absolutely, I like. Man, give Ben Caldwell a book, guys. Give him a Harley Quinn book. Put him on Harley Quinn. I would read it. Um, I don't know anything. Like, I know nothing about any Hanna Barbera properties because I just don't think they were like that around when I was a kid? Yeah, like, I was slightly I think, too young for them or something? I think they used to be on, like, weekend mornings or something for me. Yeah. I, most, I had a lot of them on VHS. Right, okay. And then when, when I, my parents got Optus Vision, or my grandparents got Optus Vision, which was the first cable television oh, you could get in Australia, um, they had Cartoon Network on that, and so I used right, to watch okay. all the Anna Barbera stuff on there a lot. My favourite has always been the, the like, weird team-ups of all of the... They like, had, like, um, Scooby-Doo's Laugh Olympics. Wow. And it was all the, all the Hanna-Barbera creations competing in the Olympics in, like, doing different sports. And there was, you know, wacky races and that kind of thing. And I think I know there's the banana splits from showing up in that. Okay, But right, I'd right. not seen a, a solo solo series from that. Well, this, like, this just really worked. And, like, again, like, Ben Caldwell, like, redesigns for everyone. That Katana redesign is so insanely perfect. And so beautiful and he draws an amazing killer croc and really simplifies Deadshot's costume to the point where he doesn't look like a total idiot anymore. I've gone on record like the, that original Deadshot costume is probably my favourite superhero costume. Um, You're so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so good. That <laughs> awesome like classic 60s Batman one where he's like um, fighting with Batman on that giant typewriter. I think that's yeah. just like I think it's just so classic and I hate his Deadshot's redesign now is like probably the grossest redesign ever like the way he looks in the current suicide squad run yeah it's not is, great it's no good and it was good to see him kind of return to what makes that costume great anyway this was heaps fun and the backup story um which is the first look that we get of um the next series that mark russell is doing at dc which is snagglepuss which is like another thing i knew nothing about and again sounded heaps weird to me um howard porter's the artist on this this the is colors by Steve this is the Bukadu. most i've ever liked howard porter on art same again we, we, so marvel made some dumb comments this week um one of them was about diversity the other one actually you know i'm sure every week they make dumb comments but in particular we <laughs> heard we heard that they made a dumb comment about diversity that people didn't want diversity and then they someone made another comment that chris sumney was talking about saying that artists people don't read comic books for artists i disagree with both those comments vehemently um and uh 
I'm gonna. I mean, we're gonna talk about how much we love the art. This week. Absolutely. But this in particular, I thought how, like you know we we're already Mark Russell fans, and I guess like you know I I, I like Howard Porter as an artist, but I loved his art in this one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And this like like Mark Russell is so good at taking like the concept of something and bringing so much more to it. Like I love that this is a book um, set um, during like set in the fifties, uh, all about the House on American activities um, board thing, which is what. Um, like do some research guys look it up <laughs> you do some um, research host <laughs> of this podcast <laughs> don't bring this thing up <laughs> now i'm gonna have to try and like talk about it do an even worse job than um, you did. <laughs> it was when they were like um like all no, in hollywood worry, when they fine. were trying to get communists out they were like oh there's all these communists working in ha- hollywood we need to root them out because they're poisoning um american values through their films and so they've got snagglepuss who is a playwright and i'm assuming also a screenwriter in this version um you know, having to be like hilariously sassy and quippy in um, a trial, yeah. And so then the, we yeah, see him. Snagglepuss sort of- was like a, a, a like a sarcastic, wisecracking, big pink cat. Yeah, and he, you know, lived in the swamp. I think he maybe lived in the swamp, and you know, he used to always say like, you know, um, like egg exit, stage right, stage left, even like, and and. Mm. Mark Russell just hones on on these weird quirks, yeah. he- heavens to Murgatroyd and stuff like that. These and and puts him by setting him up against like government quacks. Mm. It's the perfect foil for for this 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 iteration of this character, and just like like dropping some amazing like just like truths in this ridiculous yeah. comic book about Snagglepuss, where like um. He says, like, the world is on fire, young man. As writers, it is only proper that we do what we can to warn people. Like, what? who was expecting something like that in a Snagglepuss comic? But well, it's so brilliant. I well, I mean, it. after reading Mark Russell's after, Flintstones, yeah. and I definitely was. But this in particular, like, I'm, I'm, this is, like, my most anticipated comic now. Absolutely. I loved it. Uh, I love that Augie Doggy. I don't know if you knew Doggy, or, like, Daddy Doggy and Augie Doggy. Nope. So that, that's who the dog is that, he, that Snagglepuss is, is talking to in this issue. Right, okay. Um, they, were, they were two of my favorite Hanna-Barbera characters growing up. Oh, lovely. Um, so I'm looking forward to them as kind of like side characters. Um, but I just, there, there was so much to love in the, in this, these eight pages that even without a great banana splits and suicide squad, this is my favorite by far. Yep. Absolutely. Agreed. Mark Russell also wrote, um, the team up of the Flintstones with Booster Gold, who was one of our favorite, uh, and not used enough DC heroes. Yes. Um, this was a, a team up that yeah, written by Mark Russell with art by somebody else who is not Mark Russell. His name is written somewhere in this book. Um, Rick Leonardi okay. um, and uh, inks by Scott Hanna. Um, this, is, this is like a, a pretty fun and silly, um, you know, time travel comic where Bo- Booster Gold goes back to bedrock. Yeah, and- I sort of really expect it because it's a Mark Russell book and because he's so like, you know, Booster Gold is this character who like is this kind of weird critique of capitalism and so much of the Flintstones book is a critique of like modern life and capitalism. I sort of expected... Mark Russell to go harder on this yep. book or something, and instead it was this like super just lighthearted like oh Booster's an idiot blah 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 yeah it was just a goofy romp through time yeah but it was still heaps fun it was really fun um it, it was exactly what I expected from these these issues yeah um, absolutely but then the backup is uh you know we've already got a Flintstones oh, book so, so of course we're gonna weird. get a Jetsons book um and so this is uh Jimmy Pal- Palmiotti and Amanda Connor um writing a Jetsons story uh, with art by um, Pierre Brito. I really did not like the art on this, by the way. Just, just his, I loved his background art and his drawing of the spaceships and all the space stuff. But uh, his his people work, I thought, was atrocious. I loved his creepy old lady. That was a great. <laughs> that was not. a. That's like a like that's a great face. That's a weird <laughs> head. I liked it. 
Um, but uh, this story was so heavy-handed, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is about Judy, who is, mm. uh, is the, um, the, the daughter of the Jetsons, mm-hmm. um, goes to her sick grandma's house, and her grandma has gone to a, um, uh, a facility that basically, like, it's, it's an end-of-life option. For in, mm. a, in the future, the Jetsons is is, is you know like the Flintstones is set in the past. The Jetsons is set in the future. That's it. Like there's no there's no more to describe with the, with the, with the uh, you know it, it's a future romp. Yeah. Um. And uh, so yeah, she, this uh, her her, di- her mother, grandmother's dying wish is to transport transplant all of her memories into something that will allow her her thoughts and memories to carry on when her body doesn't. Mm. And I was like, "Well, this is really heavy." Then yeah. it's like this weird romp where, like, like um, George and, Ju- and and Jane Jetson are trying to track down their their daughter and and and, and George's mother, and um, they get there too late, and um and and the she's already like done the pro- the process to transfer her her memory and basically end her life. I'm like, "Where are they going with this?" Mm. It's an origin story for Rosie the robot, yeah. which was like their robot butler or robot maid in yeah. in, in, in the Jetsons. And in this version of the Jetsons, George Jetson's mother's memories are, and thoughts are like, and I guess personality is implanted into a robot. Keeps weird, especially because like Rosie is just like this sassy, wisecracking <laughs> robot that like does their dishes. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you're still alive, Mum. Clean our house forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was heaps weird. Yeah, was I, weird I, it, it ended, and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice, I guess. I guess but, that's a thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, not what I was expecting from that comic at all. Yeah, heaps weird. Um, I I'm still not 100% on board for Palmiotti and Amanda Connor as writers these days. Yeah, I wish I could be. I wish I could be more. I've been massive fans of so many things that they've done in the past, but I feel like mm. it's been a long time since I've read something they did. And we're going to review something else they did this week um, yeah. that, that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, agreed. Anyway, um, Green Lantern and Space Ghost, uh, written by James Tinian IV, um, with art by Christopher Sabella. Oh, sorry. They, they co-wrote it together, and art by is by, art is by Ariel Olivetti, doing um, you know quite Alex Ross esque um, painted. painted superhero stuff. Um, this was very much a like you know two heroes from different worlds meet up and fight, but then decide to become friends to save the day. Um, yeah, I got like a couple of pages into this one and went like, ah, uh, you know what? I don't know who Space Ghost is. I don't know anything about this, and they're like not doing a great job of introducing him and like what is going on here to me. So I just kind of gave up. Yeah, in, in in my head, Space Ghost hosts and like a, a late show on an Adult Swim in the uh, in the nineties. Mm. Um, I, I still like I see I love that costume so much, but I just I, I can't take him seriously as a hero ever. Yeah, um, and I think that may, may have been one of the problems I had with Future Quest. Um, but uh, I thought yeah, I thought this looked great. Um, but uh, yeah, as a story, it wasn't very captivating at mm. all. Um, Green. It was just just a bit dull. Yeah, and solid one shots are like hard to write. You have to be a really like like that's why I think that that Snagglepuss um, uh, little backup is so impressive because Mark Russell manages to tell a whole story and tell it really compellingly in eight pages, and that's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so the backup at the end of this one, um, people are critiquing it quite hard on on the internet. Uh, it's written and drawn by uh, Howard Chaikin. Everyone's favorite dirty old uncle. Um, and uh, it is Rough and Ready, who is uh, probably another duo you'd never heard of. Nope. It's a dog and a, <laughs> dog and a cat. Wisecracking dog and a cat. Um, and this kind of reimagines their origin. I think it's set in the same same era that they were created. It's basically like the history of like television mm. and, and them, them making the, the transition from stage to screen. Um, and yeah, it kind of like... 
you know, it's a bit, it's a, it's a classic Chaikin, like, you know, bringing like sex and violence into the origin story <laughs> of these two, like, you know, cartoon comedians. Um, I actually really enjoyed it though. Yeah, it was totally fun. Like I, I liked the idea of like, you know, those kinds of classic, um, classic comedians who had sort of silly little double acts where they just trade little punchlines. It was it was fine. It was yeah. good. I think if you don't chicken's art, so weird these days. I love chicken's art, especially. The, I, I mean, normally we just see him drawing dudes that look the same, yeah, like bearded grumpy men. But it was so good to see him draw like cats and dogs with smoking and and kicking people's teeth in. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if if you're not a fan of, of Howard Chaykin, you'll probably hate this. But uh, I am sometimes, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, we had Adam Strange and Future Quest by um, Mark Andreco, Jeff Parker, and Steve Lieber. On art on this one. Um, wow, pretty. Uh, oh, I guess it looks like Steve Lieber. I was about to say like pretty unrecognizable for Steve Lieber, but I guess it, I guess it was. It was pretty un- unrecognizable for this series because I'm used to Doc Shane as like you know yeah, flawless art really and to go classic. to you know go to. I, I love Steve Lieber, but um, you know normally he does projects that don't come from sa- the same level of polish, and he's got a, such a scratchier style. Yeah. Um, but I thought I thought he, I thought it actually suited it quite well. Yeah, absolutely. I quite enjoyed this issue. Like I I still again I don't know anything about like what's this team. Future Quest, whatever, whoever these people are. I don't really understand. But I like Adam Strange. I got the basic concept of like, they're in a land lost to time, whatever, team up thing. The biggest surprise for this was that not only is this in continuity with the Future Quest comic that's coming out each month. Right, okay. This is also in continuity with the death of Hawkman, the um, event (laughs) that that Mark Andreco just finished a month ago. Oh my God, that's so funny. So in that book, it ends with... um, the death of Hawkman and Adam Strange gets like kind of trans transported somewhere that we yeah. that you don't know, and it turns out he's been transported to the Future Quest world, and he's wow. lo- he's got he hasn't got any me- any memories, and so Race Bannon and all of the Johnny Quest characters help help Adam Strange and they help each other, and um, then suddenly all the other characters from uh from uh the Future Quest book show up, and um he thinks Birdman is Hawkman. At one point. Um it's you know it's it's I mean, like, funny and weird. Considering I haven't read either of those books, I quite enjoyed this issue, and I think they did a pretty good job of like m- making it so that you could enjoy it more if you were reading them. But if you hadn't read them, you still understood what the hell was going on. Yeah, and I know a lot of listeners are fans of that Death of Hawkman run. So uh, oh, really? if you want if you want to see that car- like carried on into a bizarre crossover, definitely pick this one up. Uh, I thought the best thing about it, though, was the Doc Shainer um, cover. I love Doc Shainer's art so much. He's so good. Um, the backup on this is the, easily the weirdest of all the backups. Uh, like, I, what is this? Is I don't know what Top Cat is. I don't you don't know what Top know. Cat is? Like, I, there's a cat in a hat. Is there more that I need to know about that? He's, a, he's the cat on top. I'm upset literally everyone <laughs> in the King's comments. Unlike um, every character that I've talked him. about so far, <laughs> Top Cat is yet another wise-cracking cartoon yeah, cat. Yeah, like, what the hell? <laughs> who, who, who's an alley cat, and he, and he gambles with his mates, and he gets up to all kinds of mischief. Is he a bad guy? No. He's just a bit of a rogue. So this is written by Dan DiDio, which was a, a red flag immediately. Um, and uh, art by, is by Phil Winslade. Um, the art is is creepy as hell because basically this is Top Cat in Gotham. Like this was so weird to me. I didn't understand this at all, and I didn't want to understand. Um, made me upset. Yeah, I just I thought yeah, this this really made no sense. It's, it's basically a, a, it's it's Top Cat goes to jail um, and then escapes jail using like a dimensional traveling device, loses his beloved friend Benny, and ends up in Gotham where he helps Catwoman escape Batman and then lies to Batman about 
how he got to where he, where he is. And then he's like, I'm going to go buy a suit at the end. And apparently it's going to be continued in Top Cat. This oh, be- well, thank goodness. Top I can't wait to read more of this like, extra creepy, like anthropomorphized evil cat. That, that lives in a very realistically drawn Batman and Catwoman universe. Yeah. I don't think this worked at all. It was weird. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Like, I don't know, draw, just draw Batman and Catwoman cartoony and have it exist in a different ba- Gotham, you know, don't make it this current one. Yeah, like, the Suicide Squad Banana Splits one, it didn't look like, everyone was like, oh, that's weird that you're animal people, but it wasn't like the most insane thing ever. Yeah. So I feel like we, we definitely <sighs> reviewed this in order of what we like. Oh, maybe not. Maybe... Uh, if I, I if I could make anything my favorite, it would be the Snagglepuss. <laughs> um, the Suicide Squad, Banana Splits, and Snagglepuss one was by far the best. Yeah, that was the best one. And then I I, I also enjoyed whatever one I also said I enjoyed the Booster Gold <laughs> Flintstones one. Yeah, that was the one other was also two. Fun. The other two were, had their moments, but were mostly very strange. Yeah. <sighs> there we go. Goodness gracious. Uh, so we got two other book number ones from DC this week, and they were annuals. Uh, we got a Batgirl annual and a Titans annual. And uh, Siobhan only read the back one, so let's, let's talk about that one first. Uh, it, was, it was pretty good. The first story, it's got two stories in it. Um, the first one is um, written by Hope Larson with art by Inaki Miranda. I really liked the art. Yeah, me too. Um, and this was like a fun team up between Batgirl and Supergirl. It's the first time they've met in this current iteration of the DC Universe. And I really liked, I like. I feel like this is the, like, I wish Hope Larson wrote Babs like this more often. This yes. was like a more like cool sassy version of babs or something and not sassy don't, in the way that sassy. we usually mean it <laughs> i mean in a positive way it's a dirty word on this podcast um, but i also really liked the way they presented um cara as sort of like like an actual teenager like she's a bit sweet and naive and a bit um optimistic yeah um but also very headstrong Definitely. Uh, yeah i really i i thought this was a really solid um solid issue and i would read a back old super girl team up book forever so they they team up basically to break into a facility to help someone that's been that's been communicating with supergirl is that star girl do you think i don't know okay i don't think so we know that star girl is returning to to supergirl comics at some point yes not star girl i wish star girl was is it star girl who is it um uh what's her name again the one who's currently satin girl satin Satin girl Girl, my bad who's star girl she's in the jsa yeah all right, I fucked it up. You fucked DC it up, man. have too many things Get where out. it's just word. Noun girl. <laughs> Noun girl. Um, yeah, the backup of this, I didn't like at all. I, I read like four pages of it. I was like, I'm good. Oh, I didn't mind it. But it was like heavy. Like, it was kind of a story that we've seen a lot before of like, oh, it's hard balancing friendships and being a superhero. I keep missing on missing out on hanging out with my friends because... I have to go punch bad guys in their faces. So this was written by uh, Vida Ayala with art by Eleonora Carlini. Um, I like the art. I love the art, but uh, yeah, the, sto- the story didn't hook me. Sorry. That was almost like Tread Mori. Yeah, agreed. I actually thought it was places. him, ones, but yeah, I think just the, uh, the the drawing of a of a uh, tattooed man yeah. with an enormous smile is very Tread esque Absolutely. Um, the other annual I read was Titans number one. This is a uh, so t- Titans annual number one. Um, we tapped out of the Dan Abnett Titans run, and this mm. uh, this annual was good enough to make me go, "Oh, maybe that was a mistake." <laughs> so this is um, yeah, written by Dan Abnett with art by Ming Yu Jung, um, with uh, uh, colors by Adriana Lucas, and it was basically like a, a t- it was called face to face with the Justice League, and so we have four members of the Titans: Nightwing, Wally West. Um, Tempest and uh, Donna Troy um, transported to a weird area alongside Batman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. Cool. And none of them trust each other. Um, 
they've been transported there by the key. I don't know anything about that villain at all. Me neither. Um, and uh, they're just kind of stuck there. They're trying. They need to kind of work together to, to to get out of there. But the key is hold them up so they unearth each other's secrets. Um, and um, they all learn stuff about it themselves, especially Donna Troy. Um, and it was just a nice one and done one shot, which is what annual should be. That mm. kind of is like, and you'll find out at some point in the future what what you know what this story will will, will affect. Huh. It was cool. cool. I, I really like this, and it, and it almost made me go. Maybe I need to read the Titans. Yeah, but, Lynn, are you reading Titans still? Yeah. Is it good? Meh. Yeah. Lynn says yeah. meh. Thanks, right, okay. Lynn. Your input is always valued. <laughs> so those are the DC and Marvel number ones for the week. We've got a few more number ones to get through. Another one shot from Archie this time from the Archie Horror imprint. And I saw this. It's called Jughead the Hunger. I thought it was going to tie into Afterlife with Archie, which is a beloved series that they put out fucking two issues a year <laughs> now. But whatever. They're always really good. But this is written by Frank Thierry with art by Michael Walsh. Um, and it is a, a horror story um, in which Jughead... Um, the always hungry Jughead is a werewolf. I love how many werewolf comics we are getting at the moment. Last week we had like three werewolf comics. This week we have two werewolf yep. comics. Maximum werewolves, please. Thank you. Um, so you, wait, you prefer, are you werewolves over Draculas? Yeah, werewolves over Draculas every time. Okay, <laughs> that's what the uh, that's what the, <laughs> the show is called this week. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, this is just like a really fun. We kind of we it opens with um, who's that character? The old lady. Miss Grundy. Miss Grundy getting Classic savaged. Mrs. Grundy, not sexy Mrs. Grundy for anyone in oh, yeah. Riverdale fans. <laughs> so she gets uh, her head cut off by a big, dirty werewolf hand. And then we see uh, Jughead and the gang uh, in a diner uh, with Jughead just eating. It must be an all-you-can-eat menu. And he's just like, they're like, please, what, what, I can, can I pay you to take him out of here? Because he's just eating everything we have. And then, you know, it's hilarious. He asks for dessert. Um, it's the best. But then it's, it, it's we realize that um, all these different people that, that, that have been killed, they're called like the Riverdale Rip- the Ripper. Riverdale Ripper um, has been has been kills Dilton. Yeah, poor, <laughs> poor old Dilton. Poor little Dilton. Um, and then, and- like the sickest part of this is that then it turns out that Betty is a, from a long line of werewolf hunters, and that she's been tracking Jughead for their entire like childhood friendship together. And she's like, "Now's the time I have to kill you." And there's this brilliant panel where um, she says, "Like as for us Coopers, we've always been there, waiting for the Joneses to turn, hunting them if they do." And there's this incredible like panel of like these different. I guess ancestors of Betty. Mm. Um, one of them looks like Sarah Connor with a with a shotgun. The other one is like a hippie with like scythes. Yeah, <laughs> and then like Civil War era, a so knight good. Cooper. It's awesome. So uh, expand this into a series, please. Yeah, I would read the crap out of this, but it was also like a perfect little one shot. I loved this. It's so fun, so weird, and so fun. I like you know this is like absolutely like a genre piece, but it still celebrates everything that makes the Archie series good, and that's yeah, what absolutely. Riverdale, the, the TV show, really lacks for me. I'm all yeah. for them doing weird things with the property, but there was it just felt like you know an OC esque show yeah. with people named the same as the comic. That didn't I've really feel heaps, anything. I've just heaps come to terms with the fact that Riverdale is not for me. Like my teenage sister loves it and is obsessed with it and is like, "Yay, sexy boys!" And that's amazing. That's great. I'm glad that that exists for her. Just not for me. Well, now there's an ongoing Riverdale series. Um, yeah. that's starting next week so we oh, can review that oh. next week I don't, I don't want to read a video read the worst thing about Riverdale though the TV show is that we normally at the back of Archie comics we get a backup of um, classic Archie strips uh, but in, in, in this and in uh, the Reggie and me um, comic that we're going to review later in the show there's just adver- ad- advertising for um, the Riverhead Riverdale show it's the worst I want, I want my classic backups yeah come on guys 
Oh well. How else are we going to educate people? I read two more number ones. Another uh, another annual kind of special thing. This is the uh, Boom Studios presents WrestleMania. WWE WrestleMania 2017 special. I genuinely started trying to read this and then I went, oh, you know what? I just don't. And it was even like, I was like, oh, the first story is written by Box Brown. I really like Box Brown. I like the um, uh, Andre the Giant comic that he wrote. So I was like, sweet. I like the things that he likes about wrestling. And then I was like, oh God, I just don't have, I don't have enough of a base level of understanding of what wrestling is for me to enjoy this even a tiny bit. Yeah, so this is the first, like, uh, this is like, you know, I've, I've not watched any wrestling in my life, but I've been reading the comics and I quite enjoy them. Um, and this is the first of them that I didn't know. I think it was my enjoyment of this was hindered because I had no idea who the wrestlers were. Yeah. That just says how well done the other wrestling comics are. The Box Brown comic in particular, which is about Razor Ramon and, um, I don't know, someone else having a big old fight. Um, I... Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I, I was really confused in this, and I was I, the least captivated by it. It was like a goofy comic about them fighting. Yeah. Um, then we see like a Chris Jericho comic by um, Dennis Hopeless and Dan Mar- Mora, who we, we love. Yeah. Um, and that was like uh, not that interesting to me. We catch in with uh, the New Day, um, the, the, the wrestling trio who are having this like funny time traveling adventure. It's drawn by uh, Rob Gilroy. Um, and uh, that was, you know, funny and goofy and a good little check-in. Um, and then my, my favorite one, though, was uh, this dude in the um, in like the, the small league. Like, he's a much smaller guy, Daniel Daniel Bryan. I don't know who the fuck that is. But that was, like, easily my favorite story in this about, like, the underdog trying to trying to get the title um, amid, against all odds. Um, Aubrey Citizen and Kendall Good wrote that. And then finally, there's a Kevin Owens comic. So if you know any of those names, and you'll probably enjoy this a lot, they're really well done. These comic books. I just think it's you know you'll like them a lot more if you if you follow wrestling. Mm. I, I don't follow it at all. I know nothing about it, and I'm still enjoying it quite a lot. So I don't know why. I, I really like these books. It's a great cover too. It's absolutely out of, out of control how good that cover is. Yeah, it's an amazing cover. It's really good. Um, so yeah, pick this up if you love wrestling, or if you just love comics about wrestling, even though you've maybe not watched any of it in your life. Uh, finally, the last number one, The Ring of Fire with featuring Doc Savage. The first Doc Savage comic I've ever read. read. Um, and uh, this one was by uh, somebody. Um, written by Dan- David Avalone with art by Dave Acosta and colors by Morgan Hickman. I love the art on this. Um, I don't know anything about Doc Savage. Is this like kind of like just like frequently shirtless pulp hero? Yeah, I think that's about it. He's got no discernible power. He just is always in trouble and getting himself out of that trouble. Uh, this is boring. No, oh, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really follow it. So uh, I'm going to put it in the not for me pile. Fair enough. Those are our number one reviews. Gosh. Um, first things first is over. Um, if did you read any of those books? Did you like them? Come and talk to us about it. Facebook.com/slash/groups. slash serious issues podcast is our Facebook group where Siobhan and I are at your call twenty four seven to argue with you about important issues like who the fuck is Doc Savage? <laughs> I'm on call way less. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now we play um, the brand new most beloved uh, segment of Serious Issues. Uh, despite the many angry tweets I got in the last week saying they want the coin back, fuck coins, dices are where it's at. Dies are where it's at. No, dices. Let's, let's, dices? let's start oh, okay, a whole new language for this. Um, so this is, uh, what are they calling it? Uh, toss, toss a dice for <laughs> image... Marvel or DC, and one to t- I've got I've got, a, I've got a six-sided die, and one to two if it lands on that, that's image. 
Uh, three to four is Marvel, and five to six it's DC. All right. Here we go. Number one. Nice. So we're going to do Image first. The whole reason we did this dice, finally, thing. Hey. And number two is two again. Hold on. Oh, this is going to be a boring segment. Five. <laughs> so we're going to do Image, then DC, then Marvel. Nice. All right. All right, cool. cool. Let's start with Image. First off the rank, number two, issue number two of uh, Greg Rucker and um, Leandro Fernandez on The Old Guard. I love this book. We love number one. I really love number two as well. Um, so the this art is, a- is like phenomenal. Yeah. Like Fernandez is extremely good. And it's like uh, quite a fun take on, I mean, there, there are some heavy themes in it. Basically, it's hmm. about like a bunch of immortals, or are they, mm. um, who have lived for way too long and fought battles for the government of different ages and they've you've got, you know, politics within their own group and... You know, it's hard being immortal. The, yeah. you, you, you fall in love with somebody, they fucking die. They die on you. Again Sucks. and again and again. So can you can imagine what it would be like to be a thousand-year-old person who hates the world? Yeah. Count I'm you. only 26 and I hate the world, so. <laughs> um, and uh, this issue um, kind of added to the, their lore. We kind of checked in on the different battles they've had throughout the ages and um, their thoughts on the current mission they've been given. And, uh, yeah, we learned that they're not so immortal after all. And, in mm. fact, you know, even... Even if you, no matter how how many times you fought with someone over the year, a thousand li- times you've been a thousand years you've been alive, they might not wake up the next day. They might just suddenly fall and die stupidly, and there's nothing you can do about it. I think that's such a cool addition. Like if they were just immortals, I think it would be really boring. But there's the added kind of like they might like we. And I really like that they're like we don't know why we don't know why we're immortal. We don't know how many of us there are. We don't un- like we don't know any of that information. So don't bother trying to find out. Like we don't know why we suddenly die sometimes and there's been a new discovery of a more of, of an immortal person and that's why we learn so much about them that because they're in they're in, they're letting this girl know what what she is where mm. she's come from and it's so it's not just like this super narration heavy you know explaining their origin stories and why they are they straight up she's telling another character yeah what she can expect from her life now and we also get to like the, there's a lot packed into this issue because we get um a look at who the the bad guy is who set them up in the last mission who's trying to find out about their secrets who's trying to prove that they're immortals um and he looks to be like a sort of like ultra vain rich bro who's trying to find the secret to immortality so he can never die Perfect. I love that villain. Yeah, very good stuff. This is a great book. You should be reading it. Serious issuettes. Come on. Is, <laughs> is that what we're going to call Issuettes? I love that. Okay, cool. It implies that they're like uh, so our also we should call out. We should call our listeners pouches. <laughs> 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 I like that. Yeah. Gets, yeah, like like you know in the in the uh, like the classic nineties pouches yeah. that uh, what's his name? Cable. Cable has. Yeah, so if if you're a listener of this, you're a pouch. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sounds awful. Yeah. I'm into it. Lazarus, issue 26, is another book uh, written by Greg Rucker with with art by Michael Lark. And uh, when did you... You tapped out of this at like issue 10, right? Like, yeah. Really early. You should really catch up on this in trade. All right. Because they've just announced they're going to take a break. Michael Lark uh, has been working on this for like the last 18... Wait, last... Some huge amount of time. This is a phenomenal backup material, Mm. by the way. Um, but yeah, sorry, for the past 180 and 82 weeks, he's been working on Lazarus. Wow. He needs a break. Yeah. So this is the last little break. Um, they're going to have six issues, um, written, co-written by, um, Greg Rucker and Aaron Duran. Um, and each issue is going to follow the lives of someone within this world. Um, different characters within this world or one shots. Um, we've got creative teams like Mac Chater, 
Um, who else is on here? We've got um, Tristan Jones working on one. Oh, wow. Yeah, awesome. It's a great lineup of artists that, that he's gonna, we're working with. So I think now's as good a time as any to catch up on this incredible series uh, set in the future um, where there are like families who pretty much have taken over the world and each of these families has a Lazari. Lazarus, um, who uh, who basically is like a super powerful um, enhanced human who does all the bulk of their fighting for them. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that there's we now see Russia come to the table, um, and they have the most terrifying Lazarus yet. And uh, there's lots of death in this issue, lots of heartbreak, um, and there's a kind of sinister plan uh, within the families to kind of take certain memories members of the families down a few notches. Some lessons are taught. And the backup material, yeah, I mean, it is not nice to have, like, you know, not normally when a comic is delayed, you just kind of like, it's delayed, live with it. Yeah. But to have them kind of explain what's next, why they're doing what they're doing, it's really yeah. thoughtful and cool. And it speaks, you know, volumes on what a great person Greg Rucker is. And also, like, Lazarus is a very political book. Um, the backup material on this this month is just, like, this incredible essay that Greg Rucker has written on his thoughts on, on the world at the moment, how disappointed he was with the um, election results last year oh, and great. what we can do as as people to kind of help make the world a better place. Awesome. Oh, um, wow. What a decent dude. Yeah. So this is a really great issue. Um, Greg Rucker's the best. Lazarus is, is a best. great book. Um, and I know we, we don't give Lazarus as much shine as it deserves, mostly because you don't read it. It's your fault. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I encourage anyone if you ever see it on in, in a sale, or I feel like you know the trades aren't even that expensive. Mm. Now's the perfect time to to catch up on this great series. Cool, Hadrian's Wall number five, another uh, slight delayed issue because um, I feel like this came out this this series started the same time same month at Depth mm-hmm. by uh, my uh, what's his name Matt Kent Matt Kent um, and his wife um, started, which is like, we always talk about. Hadrian's Wall is a uh, a murder mystery set in space. Mm-hmm. Death is a murder mystery set in, under the water. Um, I think we're at issue 12 of Depth now, and this is only issue 5 of Hadrian's Wall. So this is coming out quite slowly. Uh, but written... heaps worth the wait. You're right. You're right. I, I have no grudges. Kyle uh, Higgins and Alex Siegel on story and Rod Reyes uh, on art. I love the art so much yeah, on this it's so book. Good. And this issue felt for me like exceptionally phenomenal. Would like... you say this was the best issue of this? <laughs> Siobhan? <laughs> say it. <laughs> Never, but I will say it was an extremely strong issue. <laughs> That's that's Siobhan and E's for best. Yeah, it was the best. This is like this was probably the best issue of this run for me so far, especially in terms of art. Like it was just really, really, really out of this world, guys. Hey, because hey. they're in space. They're I get space. it. Um, yeah, it was. It's really cool because they. Yeah, we thought this was going to be like you know, a, you know, down the middle kind of murder mystery. A few issues, but they mm. introduced something very, very uh, dangerous for all of the, our, our, our characters um, in this issue. And uh, I don't know if the murder mystery is even worth solving now because mm. they've kind of come to a conclusion that it has been solved like most of the characters have and they're just going to leave it at that but I don't believe that it is plus our main character is seeing visions of the dead guy yeah because he's he hasn't taken he's like having withdrawals from, from all the drugs he's addicted to because he hasn't had any um, since he got to the space station and plus we get some like amazing flashbacks like just really like heavy relationship stuff done with like an amazingly deft hand yeah agreed Really, yeah, I love this comic. I think it's so brilliant. So good one. Yeah, great week for Images Week, actually. You Absolutely. Know, only, only like five-ish books that we read, but a uh, really, really good time. Yep. Uh, Deadly Class, issue number 27. You read this, right? I sure did. Woo! Uh, this, uh, speaking of incredible backstory work. Oh, my goodness. Rick Remender, Wes Craig, and um, Jordan Boyd on this book. Um, the best of, I'm going to say it's probably the best of Rick Remender's books. <laughs> what about you, Shimon? Best class? Look, um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. You're right. Um... But uh, this one filled in the gaps of uh, 
um, Saya, the character um, who is originally from Japan um, and kind of has, basically her, her family has ties with the Yakuza and um, we kind of saw her trying to become that while she was younger and uh, the mistakes she made trying to be a part of that world and why, because you know, the, 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 the second last issue of this saw her being kidnapped by her brother um, and uh, we kind of see why the, how their rivalry forms. Um, it's a really, really great issue, really tragic and really incredibly incredibly drawn by Wes Craig. Like the art yeah, on this absolutely. is so good. Always so good. And the colour palettes are so so brilliant. Like the colouring on this book is incredible. And the, the panel work is great. I just love how sometimes like you'll just there just won't be a panel and, yeah. and the character's almost like running away from the panel structure. It's it's great. Um, and I love that like the cover, because I don't know which cover you got for this, but one of the covers I, I assumed that this was going to um carry on immediately from the last issue and it just didn't it didn't at all. But I was I enjoyed it. Yeah, anyway, it was, it was excellent, excellent book. Um, about one of the best characters of this series. Um, it's I, I love I love you know a creator owned series that'll just like take time out from like the most crazy action scene to just give you a lot of backstory on one of the characters. Yeah, perfect. It's a good I thing that it. comics do. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Deadly Cry Class was great. It's great. It's the, the best it's been. You know, yeah. like it, it, it goes up and down. It ebbs and flows. All of his books. Um, at the moment, I'm, I, I still haven't read the, like, the most recent issue of Low because I'm like I'm in the mood, but mm. I know when I read it, I love it. He's a, he's a talent, that Rick Remender. He sure is. Uh, finally, from Image, Moonshine, number six by Brian Azzarello, Eduardo Riso. Siobhan, what happened in this issue? Oh, man, who knows? <laughs> but goodness gracious, the art is beautiful. Like, Riso's the best. Riso is so amazing and just one of those guys who like uses um, shadow in such a like masterful way and he's so like perfectly suited to this book. Well, a horror um, book, yeah, so shadows like, come naturally. A horror book and also like set um, in the sort of golden era of gangsters plus werewolves incredible werewolves scary <laughs> scary werewolves with willies i loved it i love this so much it's so good so this is the end of book one so i guess we're gonna get a little bit of a delay before we get issue seven of this but mm-hmm. um yeah it was um i guess you know we've been following this this main character of lou um mm-hmm. who i guess without spoiling it is now a werewolf? Yeah, we, we, I presume that that's who the werewolf is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Azarella, I always forget that he does have quite. Um, every now and then, he'll delve into like not quite linear storytelling mm. methods. And you know, this is the bulk of this is like just a really horrific fight between gangsters, gangsters and, hillbillies. and hillbillies and a werewolf. Yeah, the um, panel like. <laughs> there were some amazing panels in this that I just wanted to be like. I think this is my favorite panel. In so long. When the werewolf first attacks and no one really realizes what yet is going on, there's like a panel where he's got his claws going through someone's skull and face. And then the next panel is him looking up and his bottom two um, fangs are through the eyeballs of one of the gangsters. Yeah, sorry, the eye sockets. Obviously, the eyeballs are gone. Like, (laughs) so good. So good, guys. Yeah, really, really great. It's like proper good horror horror stuff in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure what they're building. You know, it, it ends quite suddenly, um, and uh, I'm not sure what what, what they're going to build with this world because so many characters that we've been introduced to are dead now. Mm. But um, I hope that this is going to be a very long series because we haven't had that from Azarello in a long time. And uh, the, the most famous series Azarello and um, Eduardo Riso worked on is 100 Bullets, and um, I kind of got. 100 Bullets vibes this like you know strange hard to follow first six issues mm. hopefully leading into some incredible epic like 100 Bullets absolutely cool um, yeah heaps enjoyable and if this is not a book that you are picking up for the art you're a dum-dum 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely picking this up, you know, first and foremost for the art. Yeah. Edward Ariso is a treasure. He sure is. Um, So now we are going to review DC. DC. Oh, okay, great. Wasn't that DC? I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got uh, just a couple books. Yeah. We've got three ish, four books. Yeah. Um, We're going to start with Commandy Challenge number three, which is the uh, kind of tribute to King Kirby, um, one of his characters, uh, Commandy, the last boy on earth. Um, in which every issue, a new creative team basically solve the uh, life-threatening position that um, basically get Commandy out of the trouble that the last last creative team threw him in the middle of. And um, this is like this one um, was an especial treat for me because this is the first book that Amanda Connor has done interiors on in a really long time. Yes, this is Jimmy Palmiotti and and, uh, and and Amanda Connor. Jimmy Palmiotti was the writer, and Amanda Connor was the artist. Um, and, uh, yeah, her art is so good and we don't get it enough. Like too often I'll be like, oh my God, it's Amanda Connor on, on this cover of a new mm. book. I'm going to read this issue of Harley Quinn. And then it's just like someone who's not Amanda Connor on the interiors and it's yeah. just not as good. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's just not as good, guys. Um, but this is a really cool issue of this bizarre series um, in which Commandy uh, uh, gets taken in as as a uh, they think he's a god basically um, this like sort of island of anthropomorphic uh, pirates pirates yeah um, led by a, a turtle in a in a pirate hat um, and and they create like a, a girl for him to like have and do whatever he wants to but he has a conscience so he doesn't do anything and and they that all the other characters have their own girl that's been made just for them and they eat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In like a really sort of... Grotesque way. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy this issue. I think it's such a testament to like... Like obviously this whole series is a testament to Jack Kirby. But it's just amazing. Like his imagination set up so many directions that they could go in. Like there just seems to be almost infinite possibility of what this series can do. And I love it. And I think this was such a fun direction for it to go in that really showcased um, Amanda Connor's art. Like we have sort of like leopard priestesses in you know headdresses and then we get a giant sort of leopard yeah, the, leopard, yeah this issue ends with uh commandy facing down the jaws of an enormous leopard who's draped in dead zebras it's amazing <laughs> it's so great 
Yeah, I uh, really enjoyed this. So who, who's, who's the next creative team on this? Uh, James Tinney in the fourth and someone Deander. Yeah, cool. I'm into it. Um, yeah, real fun. We also get a bizarre explanation of what he would have done by the last creator, um, Neil Adams. Did you yeah. read that? Was real, <laughs> I mean, I tried. Real wacky. <laughs> He's a nut. He is a nutty guy. Uh, um, speaking of nutty guys, Frank Miller, what do you think? Nutty. Definitely nutty. You're not reading this anymore, no, are you? No, no. So Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, is uh, the third in the Dark Knight uh, series that started with um, Dark Knight Returns in the 80s. Um, Frank Miller wrote and drew that one and uh, and its sequel, but now we're getting one that's co-written by Frank Miller and Azzarello with art by um, the good Cubit, Andy Cubit. Um, yep. And art, again, if you're picking this book for a reason, I assure you it's probably because of the art. The <laughs> art's the best thing about this book. Um, we also, I mean, it's kind of a fun, weird collector thing to get because in the, in the middle of each issue, you get like this mini comic um, that's been written and drawn by, or written written by Azzarello and Miller, but drawn by uh, by Frank Miller, which is a rarity these days. And uh, you know, we've gotten kind of like these mini comics all about fringe characters in this iteration of the DC universe. We had like an Adam comic, a Green Lantern comic. Now we get a Detective Comics that's all about that girl from the Dark Knight Returns who has what, swastikas on her boobs. Oh, cool! Finally. <laughs> um, and it's really weird and it's kind of gross. So, you know, perfect Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, but this whole series, this whole issue, it's just a mess. I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I, I really struggled to understand what was going on in this There's series. There's just one issue left. I want to see where it goes uh, because I'm an idiot. Uh, but, um, yeah... I, there's a big fight and there's all blood, all kind of blood and Superman and Wonder Woman have a blood-drenched crook kiss. Oh, hot. Um, God, what's wrong with Frank Miller? <laughs> it's Azarello as well. Apparently Azarello is riding yeah, the Yeah, he's a this. dirty old dude as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It sure is a book. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> got one more of these to go. Maybe I'll give more thoughts when, it finally, when it's finally over. You got another DC book that you read? Yeah, I mean, another sort of heavily blood-drenched book that I was like, I'm going to give this one more go, and I think I think I might be at my limit. Um, I read issue three of Justice League of America, where they're fighting sort of like nondescript Eastern European nations that have been taken my over favorite by... favorite bad guys. Yeah, by some weird alien analogs of the Justice League. Do they and- say, like, da, or do they say, like... No, like, they say things in, I don't even, I like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in this book. I don't heaps like it. I think I'm, I think I'm pretty much done. Did Lobo say some crazy funny things though? I think he called someone a bastitch or something once or twice. Never gets old. Never gets old. Never gets old, guys. I think I'm done with that one. Um, over from, from DC to the, uh, the seldom used DC imprint Vertigo. Um, we got we got we got a book each from Vertigo mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, Unfollow issue seventeen, uh, written by Rob Williams with incredible art by Mike Dowling. Um, this is the penultimate issue of this book. Um, I when when I started reviewing this, I was like, oh, I love this book so much. It could go for you know sixty issues, and I'm so excited for it to do that. But you know that editorial said uh, you need to make this short exit plan strategy now and so a whole bunch of characters died really quickly but it's still a really good book and this in particular was an excellent issue in which a lot of characters that we've seen since the beginning uh, cark it and um, it looks like the final issue is just going to be a showdown between the, the, I guess like the main the main good guy and uh, who's the, the guy who kind of is the, 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 the bad guy 
in charge of all this. And uh, I don't want to spoil any of this, but um, some really, really cool things happened in this issue. And uh, it was uh, like, just for like classic Vertigo. Mm. Like, you know, you could have read this alongside Why the Last Man. You could have read this alongside Sandman. It, mm. it just is like this weird, timeless Vertigo kind of quality book. <laughs> and it's a real shame that it's not going to go forever. <laughs> you want everything to go forever. <laughs> you know, just uh, this is like, it, this is like this, this crazy book about 140 people yeah. who find out over Twitter that they've inherited the, million, the billions and billions of dollars of this um, dead rich guy. And as each of them die, the others inherit more money. And so there's like this bloodthirsty, there's like cult stuff. It's, it's, it had a lot going for it, this book. And um, it's a shame that it ended prematurely. Yeah, that is a shame. Um, one that does not seem to have like so any sign of slowing down at all, and I have no idea where it's going to go, and I have no idea when it's going to end, is Gail Simone's The Clean Room um, with art. Uh, fill-in art from um, Walter Giovanni this week, who does an excellent job. Um, uh, this book is so weird, guys. It's really hard to explain. Like The original bad guy is now kind of not what we assumed is the bad guy and there's like these weird kind of interdimensional horrible scary aliens who like do terrible things to people um there's just a lot going on in this book but it's totally brilliant guys i really highly recommend checking it out this is like my sort of monthly dose of just what's going on in gail simone's brain and like horrible horrible horror stuff going on can you sum up the the, the plot in like your sentence no no i can't (laughs) how how would you pitch what, what this book is like like secret societies cross like supernatural cross ex- like ultra violence horror okay interesting um but with like a really pretty pink color palette <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i like i love this book it's just at a point where it's very difficult to explain what's going on as it has been pretty much the whole time so just read it guys yeah i mean all all creator owned which i guess vertigo books are um books are so much harder to explain to an audience who might not be reading them at the further they go on mm, yeah absolutely but lucky for us we get to talk about superheroes for a bit longer because now it's time to review marvel um and i read way more marvel books than you this week let's Looks find like out it, which huh? ones you didn't read uh i know you definitely did read the final issues of black widow and spider woman I sure did. which have been two of our favorite books uh, since we started the podcast um black widow uh, by chris sumney mark wade and matt wilson um has been an incredible 12 issue run Basically, um, a year in in Black Widow's life, mm-hmm. um, they took her out of the Marvel universe for, for this for this story, and basically her kind of getting back in touch with the the program that made her Black Widow, the Red Room, um, and uh, and avenging all the bad things that she's done, like kind of making make clearing her her conscience, mm-hmm. um, and and stopping the world from having a new generation of of uh, Black Widow spies and kill and assassins. Yeah, good cause. Um, and really, like, I mean, this really is Chris Samney's book. Absolutely. Um, Mark Wade is obviously, like, a brilliant writer and brings a lot to it. But, like, the 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 style of this, the storytelling, the, um, like, I mean, every everything for me comes down to Chris Samney's work on this. And it's such a, like, remarkable work. And it's another thing that, like, um, just not to harp on too much about the artist thing, Give give an give an artist twelve issues, you know. Give an artist minimum twelve issues to tell their story. But yeah. when you're just constantly cycling people through, that's not going to bring people to a book, you know. Like they have Marvel seems to have this attitude of like, oh well, we'll put you know Art Adams on for one issue, and then when that doesn't sell, 
it's Art Adams' fault, but it's not. Like, give him 12 issues so that people can, like, get to know his style and then people will come to the book, you dummies. Um, but, yeah, this was, like, such a such a brilliant wrap-up of this series. Really satisfying conclusion. Really loved it. And um, I love it when a, when a run ends because you get those essays at the back um, yeah. where they kind of explain what they were trying to do and how happy they were that they were able to do it. Mm-hmm. And we actually learn in this uh, Mark Wade. Mark Wade didn't even want to do a Black Widow book. Um, and it wasn't until Chris Sumney showed him what he had in mind for the book that he was like, oh, okay, let's totally do this then. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a great team who've done so many great things with Daredevil in, in the past and now this Black Widow run is probably going to be like one of the definitive kind of Black Widow stories that everyone will just recommend if you want an introduction to this character. Um, I'm, I just I haven't announced what, these, what this team's doing next. I'm half expecting um, to find out that Mark Wade is going to stop doing stuff at Marvel and they're going to do their own book at Image together or something soon. I would love that. I would love it. Like, I mean, they're so, um, I mean, they're so good at superheroes, but it would be cool to see what else they can do because, like, Chris Hemney has such a cinematic style that I can see them having a partnership similar to the kind of Brubaker, um, Sean Phillips. Yes, agreed, 100%. Um, in fact, actually, uh, we, I left out of the uh, things they've worked on together. I loved the um, Rocketeer stories oh, that they've done I didn't together. Actually read that. The Cargo of Doom right, right, right. through IDW is highly worth checking out if you've read uh, The Dead Devil and Black Widow stuff and want more Sumney and Wade together. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm one of the most things I'm excited about is finding out what they're going to do together next or what just what Sumney's going to do next. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, cool. Bye-bye, Black Widow. Thank you See for you being later. wonderful from start to finish. Yeah, thanks for being amazing. Spider-Woman number 17, my cover of the week. Um, what a brilliant cover. So good by um, Javier Rodriguez who... Um, Worked uh, on art on the most of the, the, the first half of this uh, mm-hmm. this run, and the uh, interiors in this book are by um, the artist who's on the last six or so issues, um, Veronica Fish, doing like career best work. And on amazing this book. colors from Rochelle Rosenberg. As well. Yes, one hundred percent. Good work pointing that out. Um, so uh, this is just one of those happy superhero book where they have a party at the end <laughs> and they reflect on what what they've done. But it's really well done. Um, yeah, absolutely. Again, written by Dennis Hopeless. I forgot to point that out. But uh, he's he's done not just like a brilliant take on Spider-Woman, on uh, Jessica, um, Drew. Jessica Drew, but also he's one of the few writers that has done a good version of Carol Danvers. Yeah. Um, uh, Captain Marvel. Like she's and just, a pretty hilarious version of Black Widow in this. Black Widow oh my like God. a sassy bitch in this. Such I loved a bitch. It. <laughs> so great. Just like a classic sitcom bitch. Yeah. It was awesome. Because, um, uh, yeah, like none, of them, no, none of the heroes understand why Jessica would date the porcupine. Yeah. Um, and but they figure it out throughout the course of this book. And there's, yeah, I mean, there's a brilliant montage of um, Jessica's baby getting powers and none of the heroes being able to save it. Like this was like this was a really sweet goodbye to a series that has been like really exceptional and done such a good job. Like it's so hard to have genuine character development in superhero comics, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jessica Drew next. Now that the same creative team aren't going to be in control of her destiny, but like having her you know, make the decision to have a child by herself, um, have that child, fit that in with her superhero life, still be a superhero, and then, you know, get into this relationship in what felt like a natural, really sweet way. The realiza- like- that, that, that moment of realisation that she does love him was yeah. awesome. So yeah, great. absolutely. Like, this was so brilliantly done, and I hope they don't go back... Well, uh, like, I'm I'm not even going to say that because the second you start being like, don't change the character, Marvel are going to do exactly that because of they, are. they own them and we don't, guys. I also um, love that, that, that Ben Riley was a supporting character in this. And yeah. I, I, he's one of my favorite Marvel background characters and he was done really well in this. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. This really, is- really lovely. Really sweet. Um, and now we've got like, you know, we have the ongoing arc of Jessica Drew as a super-powered baby. Yeah. It's great. Super fun. Um, I... Uh- I love Dennis Hopeless as a writer, um, and this uh, like between this and Avengers Arena and the wrestling yeah. stuff, like yeah, he's one of my favorite writers now. And I, you know, he, he writes great female superheroes, mm-hmm. um, and and people kind of aren't good at that, yeah, often, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, even though I'm not a big fan of the character of Young Jean Grey, that's who's writing her, her oh cool her solo book. Well, that's so, someone who could definitely handle that, definitely. Um, so yeah, there, there were two great. Great finales of, uh, of books that we've loved. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely go back and check out Spider-Woman and Black Widow if you've not been reading them alongside us each month. Um, but my favorite Marvel book this week was Occupy Avengers number five. I love this book. By David Walker with a uh, new artist on this book who's, who's doing the next few uh, issues, um, Gabrielle Hernandez-Walter, best known for his work on Tom King's The Vision. Um, and, of course, Colors by um, his regular collaborator, Jordi Belair. Um, so this was like a step up in terms of art. The, like Walter's art suits this book so perfectly. Yeah, this is like a really um, sort of bizarre mishmash ground level Avengers team of Hawkeye. Oh God, what's the... Uh... Deadly Nightshade, Red Hawk. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're on a sort of weird... Red Wolf. Red Wolf, not Red Hawk. There we go. Um, they're on a sort of weird like like justice road trip kind of thing where they're just like righting wrongs as they see them and they come into this town where their car break breaks down um, and there's something going on with the townsfolk. Yeah. And which the t- we find out at the, the end, the which towns- is a sick twist. Oh, I mean, this, I, don't, I don't want, like, normally we spoil the superhero stuff, but I don't yeah. think we should. This, 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 this twist was, like uh, I kind of, I, I started to see it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I actually hope this is where it's going. And, yeah. and it totally went there. Um, normally it's like, oh no, they're going to do this. This and I was like, oh hell yeah, they're going to yeah, do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we also got a great cameo from uh, Serious Issues' favourite, Manifold. I love Manifold. Um, who, who basically, like, Hawkeye calls in in a favour. And, and I feel like, like every, I love that everyone in this book hates Hawkeye. Yeah, Hawkeye works so much better when he's, like, this real underdog. And I think it's really funny um, the way Manifold's like, you owe me money before I'll do this yep. for you again. And I love so that, Hawkeye like, has no, to give him, like, this big stack of money. No one has more disdain towards Hawkeye. Like, even after, like, we had... Um, uh, Nighthawk like straight up wanting to kill Clint mm. Barton like no one has like throws more shade at Hawkeye than, uh, <laughs> than Manifold it was great um, and it, you know th- there is like there's this big tragic moment um, towards the end of this book um, and uh, no one draws tragedy like Gabrielle Walter yeah 100% it really you know very reminiscent of those final issues of the vision Absolutely. Um, and goddamn, like, David Walker is so good at bringing issues into comics in a way that isn't, like, forced and weird yep. um, in a superhero book. Definitely. He does a really brilliant job of that. Yeah, it was so great. So, uh, yeah, really, really loved this issue. Um, this, 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 this is a comic. It took a while to, like, really grab me. But this, this issue, absolutely. I'm like, this is one of my favorite series happening right now. It's really good. Cool. Um, Star-Lord, issue five by Chip Zdarsky and Chris Anker. Uh... This is like really low stakes crime fighting mm. book, and I think I really enjoy that about it. It's Absolutely. like low stakes to the point where it's kind of dull, but I like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. That, do you feel feel that? The um, the art by Chris Anker is is beautiful. Um, I mean, it wasn't dull. It was. It's just like you know, it just you know that they're going to get out of this one. You know, yeah, what I mean? like totally. and there, there is that like kind of safety net at all times. Yeah, I mean, there are some like there are some stakes. Like we left. Um, one of my new favorite characters was his name Edmund. 
Old whatever man. the old man yep. um in a fairly precarious situation there was some like but god there was some really fun stuff in this like um we see this sort of is she like a, a an old hero or an old villain javelin um teaming up with old man logan and having like this awesome hilarious little flirty kind of um fight and chris anchor draws an extremely like actually aged but hunky old man logan yeah absolutely like he does a good job of not just yeah anyway he he's Chris so good at drawing really shirtless good. dudes he's, he loves it it's clearly a- <laughs> him and russell dorderman are like the two best shirtless dudes drawers in in comics at the moment top, oh and dan mora. top five yeah dan mora's got to be up there as well <laughs> well don't worry we'll come up with a definitive list for you pouches <laughs> um and this is also an excellent like i mean we've said before black cat is being used in a lot of books but this is probably my favorite way that she's being used at the moment i think it's really good fun yeah definitely it's a really fun book i think the next i'm sure the next issue is gonna be the last one on this run oh really well they're gonna send him back to space boo so uh that's my prediction oh well um, yeah all right i hope zadarsky's still on it though speaking of space thanos is from space and we've yes, got he is. issue five of Jeff Lemire and Mike Diodato's, um with Frank Martin on color um, run of, of, of the last days of Thanos, or are they? This is a big space epic of double crossing and uh, people thinking they've taken down Thanos, but obviously they haven't. Um, this almost has like the problem that we had earlier of not being able to describe what's going on because it's so crazy. Yeah, heaps convoluted, but... Like, I really liked this issue. I thought this was a really, really solid issue, mostly just because at its core, it was like some fairly, like there was a, there was a heist and there was like a, um, you know, jailbreak. Those are the two things that happened in this book. And if like, I found that pretty easy to follow and understand, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoy the character development, um, of Thane, Thanos' son, who's like gone a bit nuts and is seeing death. Yeah, well, um, yeah, entered the same relationship with death that Thanos entered. Yep. Um, and I, so I think this this takes place before that um, that Thor run that um, the the unworthy Thor run that Jason Aaron just finished, um, where where Thanos teams up with uh, Hela. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this was this was sick, and the, the the last page reveal on this one is great too. Absolutely. We see we see that just like his father Thane is uh, hell bent on destroying everybody. Hey, all right. <laughs> like father, like son. <laughs> so yeah, fun series. Again, I think this is you know probably got another issue left as well. Yeah. Um, did you read Man Thing number two? You I sure did. did. I sure did. Um, so Man Thing number two by R. L. Stein with um art by um German. Is it German? German? I don't even know where it says. I don't know somewhere. <laughs> German Peralta. German Peralta. And um, Colors Again by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, this uh, is like a real goofy take on, uh, on, on Man Thing. Do you like this? I do. I do. <laughs> so I funny. think there's some of the problems. Um, like, it's definitely overwritten, and I think that just comes from R.L. Stein not being a comic book writer and so not knowing places where he can sort of show instead of tell. Um, but I quite enjoy this. I like that, you know, we see Man-Thing has worked really hard to get to a point where he can speak again. And then this book, he's pushed two steps back and he's like got his mind still, but his his body isn't working the way he wants it to. And he hates being this monster. And I think it's, <laughs> I like it. I think it, like it's totally goofy. Siobhan loves Man-Thing. I love Man-Thing. I'd kiss Man-Thing. <laughs> um, his, his skin would burn your face. Look, 
got to. It's a risk you're willing to take. It's a risk you're willing to take. Um, yeah, look, I think like it is heaps goofy. It feels very like silver agey to me, but I I think it's I think it's good fun. Yeah, it feels silver agey in that there it's narrated and he has thought bubbles. It's yeah. just like it's like way overwritten. Absolutely. But um, yeah, and the there, there is a story charm to was it. the pack up story was extra silly because it pretty much like is this is this the like. 2017 version of It Was All a Dream. It was all a virtual reality oh God, simulation. Right. I actually, the backup I, the last last issue I loved. This yeah. was this was so stupid. Yeah, this was silly. This, was this is silly. like a this is almost like a like a like a, a tale against video games. Yeah. Um, that you'd see in like a Christian magazine. <laughs> um, maybe that's that's what this is. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Sarah Stein pushing a secret Christian agenda. So yeah, I, I think this is really silly, but I'm still going to read it because yeah, totally. I'm dumb. Yay! I'm also silly. Um, infamous Thanks. Iron Man number six. You didn't read this one? No. You tapped out. Brian... I ta- I've read. I don't think I read any issues of Infamous Iron Man. I've never tapped into Infamous really? Iron Man. Really? Brian Bendis and Alex Maleev on this book. I, I'm reading it because of Alex Maleev's art. Yeah. Would you? He's believe? very good. Um, would you believe I read a book for art, Siobhan? I wouldn't. Because um, you don't have eyes. That's really confusing. <laughs> yeah, I read Braille. Um, it's just someone describing how good the art is, and that is repeat the comments on the um, on the podcast each week. Uh, yeah, again, you know, for, for how anti-Bendis I was last week, I'm kind of enjoying all his books at the moment. So something's clearly wrong with me. I, I'm a scroll, and uh, you should destroy me and have me replaced very soon. But um, this basically sets up uh, the two Iron Man books, Infamous Iron Man and Invincible Iron Man, to cross over very soon uh, because we see Ironheart kind of uh, come to like you know, realize that, that 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 this version of Iron Man is in her hood and she's going to try and fight him, I guess. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, there's It's pretty fun. It, it flashes back to um, young Doctor Doom and Reed Richards and it made me realize how much I miss Reed Richards and yes. I really want there to be a Fantastic Four announcement soon. Yes, where are they even? Because they're making a big deal about What's it called? Um, the reunion generations, is oh, it yeah, Marvel generations, generations yeah, in yeah, which yeah. You, we're getting we get a bunch of books where it's like old Wolverine and new Wolverine and Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel and old Thor and new Thor. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I I really want them just to announce Fantastic Four coming back because yeah, I, I love that family absolutely as much as my own. Um, the, Avengers, <laughs> the Avengers, the Avengers, uh, was it five point one? Um, continued the uh, these little these it fits in between issues sixteen and seventeen of the original Avengers run from the sixties. Um, Mark Wade and Barry Kitson doing like a super throwback that still modernizes the team somewhat, and it's like what happens when uh, the fill-in team of the Avengers, which is Captain America, Hawkeye, um, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver, uh, get in over their heads and uh, assign get assigned a kind of like new Avenger to help them out who drains the lives, the life force of other, other people to give them their powers. Um, and this has them outspotting them. It's very, very silver agey, but um, to the point where we all get like the original advertising oh, cool. and the original letters column um, from those early issues of the Avengers. That's um, really fun. But uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, this is a kind of satisfying end to a, a pretty fun and silly and knowingly silly series mm. so i uh, highly, highly recommend it if you if you miss the uh the early days of the avengers um and finally you're 70 years old yeah <laughs> um so you yeah, me, absolutely <laughs> uh the mighty captain marvel number three every time i read one of these books they say this is going to be the last one and uh this one i think definitely is i've, yeah. I've given this book so many chances it's not great and um yeah i didn't give it a chance to be great. this week 
uh, Tony Stark's AI shows up. And oh, thank goodness. I'm so excited every time he shows up. Does, but, but it actually kind of works in the Invincible Iron Man book. It does not work in this at all. Um, no. And uh, it kind of delves into the, the life force of what makes Carol Carol and this wasn't satisfying in any shape of the way. And it looks like she's she's been taken over by something that's going to make her do things that she can't control, and which is not what the world needs. It needs this character to be like just good and, and mm. redeem herself. And mm. you don't do that by being evil. Yeah, absolutely. God damn it. They don't know what to do with this character. They really don't. Um, I don't understand why. She should be like just as easy as anyone else to write, but yeah. they just really struggle with her. They just give Dennis Hopeless the book. I'll fix it. Yes. So those are our... Marvel reviews, our DC reviews, and our image reviews done, which just leaves every other publisher. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a little stack here. I got, I got quite a few books to get through. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start with a, a farewell to another book. We said goodbye to Black Widow and uh, Spider Woman so far, but we're also going to say goodbye to a little book through Boom. It was written by James T. in the fourth, with art by Ryan Sai. Uh, it's called The Backstages, and it's a, a book about a bunch of boys who are, are in a school um, theater group. I guess like the theatre class or theatre mm-hmm. unit, whatever it is, but they work in backstage. And backstage at this theatre group is, um, and, and in fact, backstage at all theatre groups uh, in, in high schools all over America is like this crazy, magical world that, that like, you know, is, is dangerous and there's all kinds of weird things at play. And so it's this like really cute and queer story of like male friendship and, and relationships while also having this crazy, supernatural fun and danger kind of like behind behind backstage and i haven't been reading this book but um that's just because i'm an adult no (laughs) um but it is so nice to be able to recommend something to boys that is not like this really prescriptive like heteronormative like ultra masculine kind of thing like it's like this book is filling a niche that really needs to be there this book is gay as hell it's awesome this book is gay as all get out fellas um and uh like i'm pretty sure i think I think maybe one character in the entire book is straight. It's great. It's <laughs> yeah, like a real like, cool changeup. Um, and uh, this, it, I kind of it, when it started, I thought it was kind of be like this, like you know, a bunch of one shots about these these young dudes th- that work backstage. But mm. a plot started to emerge, um, you know, at issue three or four about like the the magic that's backstage leaking out into the real world and that being a real threat. And so the boys have to kind of team up and like you know save the world from this threat that's backstage and. The ending is so satisfying. It's so good. It has an incredible emotional moment that actually got me tearing up, which is rare for a comic wow. to do. And uh, I, yeah, I, I really think this is this is a really beautiful series that um, should be read by anyone who's a fan of you know saga or lumberjanes mm. or you know any of those kind of just like really well renowned you know emotional relationship heavy books that deal with something fantastic at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is great. Probably my favorite boom book so far. Um, nice. Uh, I think I ended up liking it more than I like Cole Vance, which is a big, big call. That is a big um, call. I hope it ends up continuing. Like, it's sad if this is where it ends because it seems like a property that they could do a whole lot yeah, with. Yeah, I definitely think so too. Um, just like, you know, we were surprised that how, how good of a kind of uh, story Goldie Vance becomes when you give it to other creative teams. Mm. I think the, the core concept here is, yeah, so rich that even like an animated series on Cartoon Network in the same vein as like um, Steven Universe or, yep. or Adventure Time would really work with this this property. So yeah, Absolutely. highly recommend this book to everybody. Um, really, really good. The Backstages, go get it. Um, another book that we both read this week uh, that we said goodbye to was um, Valiant's Divinity 3, Stalinverse, um, written by Matt Kent with art by Trevor Hairsign. Um 
this is there, the third in the um, Divinity um, miniseries, and uh, deals with uh, a bunch of cosmonauts that get left in space, develop superpowers, um, and each time for these miniseries, something bad happens. And this one begins with uh, the world's been rewritten so that Russia is the main one in power, and it's been rewritten by the most powerful of the cosmonauts who's come back. And uh, no one remembers what the world used to be back be like except Ninjak. And, Thank um, goodness for Ninjak. He's got to kind of band together the heroes of the Valiant world to kind of bring 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 the world back to what it used to be. Um, this issue was like pretty good. I thought it's one of those issues where uh, the bulk of it is just superheroes fighting each other, which I feel like is never as fun and as exciting as the people who come up with it think it is. Um, yeah, true. I sort of enjoyed like seeing all these versions of the characters go up against each other just because it was like some of them were communists. <laughs> like, it was pretty fun. And I think it was a really um, good, satisfying end to the to the series and a good way of like wrapping it all up and tying it all off. And I think that was I think they did a good job. And yeah. they brought in some like cool new characters. Like I like that some of these awesome um, new sort of Soviet heroes that we were introduced to aren't just disappearing like they're still they still exist in this um in this valiant universe so that's really cool yeah definitely so i'm looking forward to the baba yaga series yeah yeah really totally. character. um and the, the the japanese character i really liked as well mm. um yeah and i i think this this kind of works as like the final of these divinity stories i, I yeah. can't imagine they'll return to it after you know completely rewriting the world to be more russian yeah um, i don't <laughs> yeah. know how you go from there so um Looks like they're advertising something called Eternity at the mm. back of this book, so maybe that's a continuation of this of, the, of these ideas. But it'd yeah. be cool if they had these like because these characters are so like overpowered. Um, it'd be cool to have, see them having like cool space adventures, which is what seems Very to true. be um, proposed in the end of this book. Yeah, so that was great. Good little goodbye. Yeah, uh, really strong finishes to all these series that we've Absolutely. said goodbye to this week, which is uh, not always the case. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Uh, just like it was when uh, it came out um, with the first issue, uh, one of my favorite books of the week was Heathen, mm. um, a uh, self-published book, or it's out through Vault Comics, that I don't, uh, 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 a publisher that I know nothing about. Um, this is a, a book by Natasha Alterici, who uh, writes and uh, and does the art on this, um, and um, letters on this one by Rachel Deering. So, like pretty much everything on this book is done by uh, Natasha Alterici, and she's so goddamn talented. Yeah, holy moly. It's a book that kind of ties de- direct into, like, the same mythology that Thor comes from, like the Norse kind mm-hmm. of, all the Norse gods in mythology. Um, and so we see uh, a young girl who's been shunned from her um, her family and her, her kind of tribe. Um, sh- her, her mission is to save, um, what's the god's name? Uh, one of the gods who's been shunned by Odin. The original uh, Valkyrie. That's right. So Brunhild, is that her name? Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, so our hero is called Adis. And uh, and she was shunned for being a little bit gay. Yeah, that's right. Kissing a girl. Yep. Got shunned. Uh, One kiss. Is that all it takes? Gee apparently whiz. apparently so. But her her, da- her father said that he was going to kill her, but he they let her go free. So mm. her father is uh, is a good man. Um, yeah, this is the, I mean, again, this is a book that you should absolutely be reading because I don't want to spoil little yeah, things. Totally. But it had... You know, it's 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 very hard to do, but when it's done right, there is nothing more fun in a comic book than talking animals. Totally, and uh, something I usually like really I don't like a lot, but she like nails this with. They're sort of kind of um, they're not they're not just animals; they're like sort of godlike creatures in the forms of animals. Yeah, um, and I think she does a really really good job. The thing that I was a guardian um, guardian spirit, a white is what they're called. Mm, yeah, 
I think that um like I thought that this book was going to be like a really long kind of epic of like her her undertaking this mission so when like at the beginning of this issue she's already got to the mountain to rescue Brunhilde I was like oh that happened really quickly but then the way this issue develops is so amazing and I'm like so excited to see what happens next I think it's really really brilliant yeah and um because uh none other than um Freya um, one another Norse Norse goddess shows she's up. She's a sexy one. She's very sexy. She's naked. She's got her tits out. Um, it looks great. Um, it's just, um, the art in this is, is phenomenal. And the colors yeah. as well. The color palette is is really really like minimal and and, and powerful. It's great. But yeah, she uh, she's she's a, I guess going to be like the main threat now. Mm. Um, it's really cool. You have this like you know this girl who's who's so keen to prove herself amidst gods. Mm. Um, it's a really rich world. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, really really brilliant. And it's so nice to see like um. Like a, a pure, pure creative vision from one voice, you know. Yeah, definitely. So treat. yeah, no, the uh, the serious stamp is what this gets of approval. <laughs> that is, um, you should be reading Heathen. Yeah, it's, please, uh, it's guys, a phenomenal it book. Um, also, another one of my absolute favorite books uh, that came out this week, um, just like it was the week it came out, was mm-hmm. Animal Noir. Um, the IDW book, uh, which is written and drawn by uh, Izar Lunasek, with uh, co-written with uh, Netch Durin. Um, and uh, this is a book about um, basically a detective who is a giraffe in a world full of talking animals. Mm-hmm. We said when it's done when it's done well, it's the best. Yep. And this was like it just it, this world is so well realized. It's like this, you know, like it's like imagine Zootopia, the Disney movie that came out last year that won, won an Oscar, <laughs> but like you know, but fucked up. Yeah. And like you know, a bit more like explores why animals living side by side doesn't really necessarily work, and mm. so they kind of. You know, it's they almost divide themselves up in in society in different boroughs, and there are rules, and like you know, some of them still eat meat mm. uh, in like in in like you know darkened porn theaters, yeah, yeah, while they watch hunt porn. Um, it was it's so clever, it's so it's so gritty, but still so fun, and, yeah. and it does have moments of like pure cartooning, yeah. Um, but the 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 story's so engaging and. Um, and you know, it's it, just it, nothing. It's not like anything else no. on the shelves at the moment. It's such a like fun, compelling read. And the way that like, they've really, really sat down and thought about how all these different kinds of animals would live together in a society and what the interactions would be like and what, what their community would be like and how they would interact with this community. And it's like so clever and yeah. it's so well done. And you know, you, you say like a, uh, anthropomorphic detective written by, you know, a European comic mm. about talking animal detective and you, mine immediately goes to black sad, which yeah. is o- often, you know, does classes, class social issues through animals. I actually think this comic is more successful in that than Black Sad is. I love Black Sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, 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 I think I adore this comic. Yeah, this I, is so fun. And, like, it's naturally going to get a lot of Black Sad comparisons. Like, there is a Black Sad comparison on the front cover, but they're just, like, they're super different books, you know? Yeah. Um, this, um, is, this is excellent. What's the Black Sad comparison on the front cover? Kevin Eastman. Oh, Kevin Eastman said it's like, Fritz the Cat meets Black Sad. Yeah, okay. I, get, I, get, I give you that. Yeah. Um, and then there's, the backup material is so great. It just builds on the world even more. It's, yeah. It depicts... There's a uh, like a, a fake magazine article about the porn theater that the bulk of this issue is set inside. Um, and that's the thing about this history, book is, is it has that real iceberg feel. Like you feel like there's so much back matter that they've created and there's so much research that they've done and we're just getting to see this like really fun tip. <laughs> yeah, agreed. This is an awesome, awesome book. Another serious stamp, are we going to call it that? Or something better? I mean, I guess you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering like, you know, like there are a, few, a handful of books that like I, I think should be getting... Every, yeah. every, all of our listeners reading, and this yeah, is definitely absolutely. one of them. 
Yeah, please, please pick this book up, guys. I also, know let me know what we should call those books. It's yeah. Serious Dam's a dumb name for idiots. <laughs> um, also from IDW this week, the comic book history of comics, a book that I go on about each time it comes out. Um, because it's a book that Siobhan would love, um, even though you hate history. Um, I love history. I love history. Well, I've just love read it. a lot of comic book history But have you read it in books. comic book form? No, I guess not. <laughs> so this issue, it's written by Fred Van Lante um, with art by Ryan Dunlavey. It's a, a, a coloured reprint of a, um, of a graphic, graphic novel that they did years ago, but it's coming out in single issue format with colours. Um, and... Uh, this open this issue opens with like an origin story for how Robert Crumb got got into comics with his brother, and then oh, is it, it really pervy? No, no, no. This is like it basically it uses Disney as the bridge, oh. um, to uh, kind of like bridge all these different things happening in time together. And then we the bulk of this issue was about Stan Lee and 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 the kind of how Marvel gets started and mm. and and how. How like basically like you know it wasn't until Stan Lee kind of was able to take charge of the, of of of, uh, of the comics that he was making that that that, it, that he was able to make them successful, mm. and you know we, we've we've learned about comic book censorship, we've learned about so many different things that that have made that gotten us to this, and that, and Stan Ker- sorry Jack Kirby has always been like in the background since the, since the first issue mm. of this. It's really it's really well done. It juggles the the characters so well. Um, and also, it has like <clears throat> the evolution of the superhero. Oh, fun! Um, and so we have like Golden Age. It's like this, you know, guy in like a you know a cape and bandana saying, "The this the mystic cape that mysterious wizard that sorry the mystic cape that mysterious wizard gave me has mystically given me the mystic powers of the flaming cape. I must now use these strange and wondrous powers to save Wanda Whitebread from that <laughs> Oriental mastermind, Doctor Japanaz." Um, then the Silver Age is great, Scott. My newly invented survival cape protected me from that neutron bomb explosion, <laughs> but the radiation rays have transformed me into some kind of flaming cape. I must now use these strange and wondrous powers to save Wanda White from that godless Marxist mastermind, the Commissar. Awesome. And then finally, <laughs> modern ages. Holy Christ rape. <laughs> While I was trapped in that virtual reality stimulation, the nanomachines that top secret military agency injected into me have ionized the air molecules around me into super hot plasma. Now I can see Seriously, F up those terrorists and save <laughs> President White while Twittering about it on Facebook. <laughs> Perfect. Really, really great. Great shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I love this book. It's super fun and funny and also teaches me about the medium that I review every week. What other comic can offer us that? Absolutely. Um, from Dark Horse this week, Aliens Defiance, issue 10. You read this one, Siobhan. Take I sure did. Um, this seems like it's wrapping up. Am I correct in that? I always feel like it's wrapping up and then it just keeps going. And I sort of almost feel like it's coming to a really, really slow and sad stop. ending. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, name one alien story that ever ended well, though. <laughs> yeah, true. I just wish it ended quicker. Um, really? Kind of. I feel like it's dragging a little bit. Yeah, right. I don't know. I, I mean, because the bulk of this story is less about aliens and more about humanity. Um, you have this, the, the cyborg that's trying to, uh, what, what do they call it? What's he, what's he, is he a cyborg? What's he, is he? Android. Android, that's the name. Android, who's basically making uh, alterations to himself to make himself more human. And it's kind of more about that now than it is about aliens. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a tragic moment where like, they sort of scan and find him to be like 100% human. Um, I think that's what that was implying. Yeah, yeah. Th- um, that, that was a confusing moment. But yeah, I think it came to that too. Yeah, look, I just think, I, like, I, I still am enjoying this series. I just think that a lot of what's happened in maybe the last two or three issues could have been really condensed into um, one issue that would have been 
a bit more compelling. Yeah, I, know, yeah, I, I really like I really like this issue, but yeah, I, I get where you're coming at that. Um, I actually got um, taken up on uh, in a serious issues Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash serious issues, and someone said that they don't understand how we can uh, let our, let ourselves read Brian Wood anymore because yeah. of the, the, the controversy that he was a part of a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, how do you uh, do you say? Uh, yeah, I, I I generally try and separate, you know, good art from bad people. But when you're talking about something so personal as comic books, uh, it, it, it makes it difficult as that. Yeah, and I think like my my general thing is like if it's someone that I really, really, really disapprove of, then put my money where my mouth is and not support their work. I am wary of like straight up boycotts against people because I think a lot of the time internet outrage gets overwhelming and things like people people's lives are ruined for things that are misconstrued or misunderstood. Um, I I don't even remember what the Brian Wood was, controversy she, was. Tess Fowler and someone else in the comics right, industry okay, yes. um, spoke out against something, yes, I remember. something that happened between them like like quite a few years before she came out and spoke about it, and uh, you know, basically that he was like a real sleaze bag, and, and yeah, tri- I'm was very fully willing to believe that. I'm fully willing to believe that he's a sleaze bag. He did apologize profusely, but he didn't really own up to it. This the allegations that he that, but then she said that she accepted his apology. So from I guess from what I saw, I, I, I that was enough for me to go. Oh, I, I guess that's settled. I don't know. Yeah, like, and it's also like I mean, honestly, guys, if we start like. That's a really tricky path to go down because if you have any heroes, they're going to disappoint you because people disappoint you, yeah. you know? Like, and I know that sounds like a bit of a bullshit excuse and maybe I should have stronger um, opinions one way or the other. But like, I mean, like I love, I really enjoy Peter David's comics and Peter David has done some stupid stuff over the last couple of weeks. Am I just going to never read X Factor again? Yeah. Like. I'm a rap DJ. All of my favorite rappers have done horrible things yeah. and will again. Yeah. Like it's. <laughs> It's know. hard. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really tricky thing, and I'm always down to have like open discussions. But to be honest, I don't really like <laughs> discussions over the internet because I don't think you can have a really um, fair and honest um, open discussion. So over Siobhan's Facebook mobile phone number is yeah, guys, leave me a long <laughs> voicemail and I'll never listen to it. Uh, also from Dark Horse this week, we got um, the visitor, how and why he stayed, um, which is a uh, kind of like a alternate kind of uh time no 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 it's like what it, go, it goes alongside important events in hellboy history uh as watched by an alien who was sent to earth to kill hellboy but instead decided to monitor him as he grew up and watch the man watch him turn into the man he became Cute. and uh it's really really great it's written uh, written by mark mignola and chris robertson with really great art by paul grist um it's like kind of like a cross between mignola and mike allred um and uh yeah, we see, like, not only do we see this visitor alien who can kind of look, make himself look like a human, <clears throat> um, kind of observe stuff that the, um, Hellboy and the BRPD are doing, but you also see him form a life for himself um, with someone who once took pity on him when he was sleeping in the street. And uh, this is a really cool book. Hmm. Really good oh, stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Super great stuff. And so it's a, it's a five-issue mini. If you like um, if you liked, uh, the, the Hellboy universe, definitely pick this one up because often we get, we get a lot of these mini series, and they're not all good, but this is definitely a great one. Hmm. Reggie and Me is the name of uh, one of my favorite Archie series coming out right now. Mm. Um, it's so cool how many of them there are, by the way. Yeah, we've absolutely. Got, we've got an Archie book, a Jughead book, a uh, Josie and the Pussycats book, a, a, um, 
Betty and Veronica book, and we've got the Reggie book too. There is also there is a um, there is a Moose one shot coming out really soon, which really? I um, was lucky enough to read a preview of. And guys, definitely get it. It's really good. I love Moose. Moose is great. Moose is such a good character, and he's kind of one of the main characters of this Reggie and Me book, which is written by Tom DeValco with art by Sandy Jarrell. Um, basically, this is like narrated by Reggie's dog Vader, who is like the only person who, who thinks Reggie is a good person. So the only the only being in this mm. world that thinks Reggie is a good person. Because uh, he takes care of his dog. Mm. Um, and uh, it's basically Reggie trying to sabotage Moose and Midge's relationship because he loves Midge. He also hates Archie, so he's using Archie to sabotage their relationship. Um, and we see some flashbacks that kind of like put put him and and uh, and Betty Cooper against each other from a very young age. Yeah, and I really love this version of Betty. I like how Betty just keeps showing up and slightly... Like, she's so on Reggie's side all the time. Like, she's really there to, like, help Reggie and to, like, like stop him doing bad things. But in a, like, you're better than this, I can help you improve your life kind of way. But um, she really takes no shit, and I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely... I definitely think that this version of Reggie, though, is um, at odds with... Um, the Reggie that we see in the Archie and Jughead books, but I guess that's fine. Yeah, like, fine. yeah, yeah. They, like, they, they willingly hang out with Reggie all the time in those books. Yeah, and he's just like a real jerk in this. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is, this is a great book. Um, it's 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 very unexpected hit, I guess, for me. Yeah, absolutely. And just like um, the way everything ties up, like this is all a plot from classic Reggie trying to get Midge away from Moose, and it you know blows up in his face as it rightfully should. Um, in the form of a punch. Yeah, and I think like the, I think the next issue is going to be the final issue. This is just like a nice little mini series, and I think we're going to see some some uh, redemption for old Reg. Yeah, me too. Good stuff. Um, finally, ish. Oh, we got two books each. Hookjaw, number Yay! four by Cy Spurrier, Connor Boyle, Julia Brosco, and Rob Steen through Titan Comics. This is the uh, comic book about the, the the big killer shark called Hookjaw, but mainly it's about. This, I don't know, increasingly political kind mm. of uh, uh, pirates versus... Um, Environmentalists versus big business. Government and government agencies. Mm. Um, this is awesome, the military. Yeah. And yeah, it's... it's uh, So gory. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, two, two characters, uh, two main characters die pretty horrifically in this uh, and suddenly in, in and this And shockingly, issue. like, it's one of the things that's really fun about, like, um, you know create our own miniseries is people can people can die mm. and they're not coming back and it's um shocking and cool yeah totally um so yeah i, I guess uh, um you know this is on one hand you're like really upset that like you know it's a character that you really liked has just been ripped in half by a shark but also in the next panel someone shoved a, 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 a severed finger in the nose of another woman yeah. who, who is now having to like like spill all her secrets yeah this is like i really like this book has such a weird balance of like horror and comedy and they have such a like funny attitude towards like death and things like that in a way that I find really kind of refreshing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> really enjoyable. Um, I really like this. Like this was probably the least that we actually saw Hookjaw. Yes. In the entire comic. Um, but I'm, I'm into it. I mean, but it's also the comic in which she kills two main characters. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the key to a good, a successful shark book is that you don't show the shark that much. Yeah, absolutely. And when you do, you show him with half a body in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, still heaps fun. Still really enjoyable. Really um, like the series, guys. I read the the sixth issue of Animosity by Marguerite Bennett and Raphael Delator, and um, Siobhan quit reading this a while ago. I did. And 
I don't know, there's there's interesting ideas in this. I don't ever want to actually drop it. Like I'm not enjoying it as much as I every every issue that comes out, I enjoy it less and less. Mm. But there's still there's so much like you know like um, uh, Margaret Bennett has an incredible vivid imagination and big ideas for this series. I just feel like you know that that we just see big ideas far too frequently and they never feel earned. Yeah, and there's no weight to them. It's just like one dumb thing after the other. Um, in this one, we see like uh, these like kind of uh, like figures that are wrapped in in cloth with masks, and they don't know if it's people dressed up as animals or animals dressed up as people. Right. Um, and it's a pretty high concept. There's also like they 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 think there's a dragon, um, and it's just another. It's it okay. just <laughs> I, I just think like a lot of these things could have been drawn out a little bit longer, and mm. and uh, you know the story could be richer because of that. But the the ideas are like the, the wackiness also keeps me on board, so I'm still going to read it. I just you know may, I might stop talking about it at right. some point soon because I'm you know I don't want to just say negative things about it each time. Yeah, absolutely, fair enough. Um, I also read issue five of Peepland, which is out through Hardcase Crime, um, written by Christopher Faust and Gary Phillips with art by. Andrea Camerini. Was this the finale? Yeah, this was the final issue. Could have said goodbye to this one in the goodbye section. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. Like, this is the sort of like 1970s set, gritty sex worker crime book, if that makes sense. Um, And this is, they, they did the classic like. Hamlet wrap-up of everyone oh. dies and literally everyone, all of the p- characters you've grown to know and love over this series die in incredibly t- devastating ways, depressing ways. The bad guys die too also. Um, but <laughs> yeah, really a, like a really tough ending and a tough read, but like the right ending for this book, like it couldn't have really ended any other way. Um, couldn't but, have ended with like a, 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 they all play baseball. Yeah, it couldn't <laughs> have ended with like a song and a dance. Um, but yeah, a hard read. If you like, if you like really gritty crime comics, this is probably for you. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but a sad, sad ending. So those are our reviews for the week. Hope you enjoyed them. Hope you got some recommendations out of it for some books for you to pick up this week. You can pick up all of those books at King's Comics, which is located at 310 Pitt Street or kingscomics.com. That's the best (laughs) place to get them. Um, Also, while you're there, why not pick up the new comics that are coming out this week? Uh, There are a ton of them. We've had like two 30-ish... Oh, no, wait. Last week was enormous, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, anyway, this, this week was, you know, I only read 30-something comics, which is not very many for us. And uh, mm. we're, we're back up to 50 this week, um, for who I am at least. Um, some ones of note, we have uh, a new series um, through Oni Press called Kim Reaper. Oh, I've read so much about that, and I'm really keen to check it out. What's it about? It's fun. Uh, Grim Reaper, but she's cute goth. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Say no more. But not like <laughs> death from Sandman. Um, we're also getting a. Um, I should have read more about this before I talked about it. But um, a new image one. book. Christ. Yeah, a new image book called um, Rock Candy Mountain. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? Do you know about this one? Uh, I have, but I can't remember anything about it. I think it looks. Oh, yeah, the, the cover looks great. Um, we've got Royals number one, which is a new Inhumans book by Al Ewing. Oh, we've also got Black Cloud number one, Jason Latour's new book. Oh, incredible! Excited about that one for sure. Um, and uh, then there's a, another image one shot called Mighty Man, which looks like it could be fun. Uh, we get the second Love and Rockets in the new format um, oh, cool. since they started doing those. Um, we also get the second issue of Sun Bakery, Yay. the anthology book that we're very excited about. The first issue of X Men Gold, 
and uh, our beloved Motor Girl comes back for its fifth issue. Oh, and the second issue of another book that we loved called Extremity. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm excited to read that. Yeah. Also, um, of note, The Electric Sublime, which is that IDW series that we talked about a lot, that art crime book is coming out in trade, so I definitely recommend getting down to your local comic book store and picking up a copy of that. What's uh, what's his name again? W, w, w. William something? Uh, w. Maxwell Price. That's right. W. Maxwell Price. Great writer. And there's a great artist on there too. Morazzo. There is. Yep, Martin Morato. Yeah, awesome, awesome team. Um, yeah, so that is <laughs> our show for the day. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. And you can find us online, twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues or independently at Siobhan CBG and at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash serious issues podcast or join our group, facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast or just look up serious issues. We're there. I also put, um, we're on Stitcher now. Oh, cool. So if you have friends that don't have, that have like Androids that have been complaining about not being able to listen to us, we're on Stitcher now, everybody. They can now. Also, guys, you can send us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Um, it's been really nice. <laughs> I sort of like to um, – some of them I don't even forward through to you. <laughs> so oh, I'm sorry. Really? <laughs> but we've been getting heaps of emails, just like people wanting recommendations. I was wanting to chat about comics. And it's really um, nice for me. That's a way I like to communicate with you guys. So I really enjoy it. We actually uh, got a tweet that, that referenced you directly. So I could read that out now. Oh, really? Um, someone said um, – Need to say, this is from Levi Remington, aka um, at Scrawny Film Buff. Uh, need to say I love your podcast. Thank you for being spoiler-friendly and entertaining. Also, thanks for Siobhan's icy cold heart. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I also love that uh, someone uh, at Tucker Drummer one on uh, said, uh, hey, thanks so much for the recommendation, and then put up a picture of Animosity number one, and I feel really bad about that. <laughs> Because he must be going back and listening to old episodes and going, wow, I love the issue, the first issue of this. I'm totally going to pick it up. Okay, but that was a great first issue. That was, a brilliant, one, that one was of the still best worth buying. I've ever read. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Just maybe not the rest of the series. Yeah. We, all, we also got some cool shout outs recently from creators that we really like. Um, uh, we got a shout out from um, uh, Corey from. What's it called? Corey guy? Lewis. Corey Lewis, who does Sun Bakery. That was very exciting um, to me. Yeah. He said. Uh, Thanks so much for the shout out. Glad you enjoyed Sun Bakery. It only gets better from here. And. Uh, an old friend of the podcast um, who, who wrote to us on Twitter ages ago, Chelsea Kane, who I guess now is uh, a listener of, of the so. show. That's bonkers if true. Um, yeah, she, she just wrote, um, I love this podcast to us this week. <laughs> Chelsea Kane, most famous uh, in comic world for uh, writing the Amazing Mockingbird series. I hope she comes last back to year. comics soon. Yeah, I hope so. We, we, maybe we can try and interview her or something. That, that would be, be nice. That could be very nice. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.